JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, oh the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Minshew, great protection, stands in, dancing, dancing, floating. Now he's going to run to the right side, throws on the run to the end zone, and it's caught for a touchdown. That's Jawan Winfrey. Bajan out of the gun, they go quick. He's going to pass, dancing the pocket, gets out, pump fakes, dives across the goal line, he's in. Tyson Bajan with a rushing touchdown. Play action to Burns, one right side is Peterman. On a rollout, throws on the run, taking a shot to the end zone, and that is... A catch for Reese Fountain, the former Colt, makes it, and that's a 35-yard touchdown catch for Reese Fountain and Chicago out to their biggest advantage. It's 16 to seven. Ellinger backs the throw again, trotting in the backfield. Now he's going to take off and run. He's at the five. Got it. Touchdown, Sam Ellinger. They give it to Jake Funk, and he cruises into the end zone from four yards away. Touchdown, Colts, and they're right back on top. Six more on the board, and the Colts lead again. It's 19 to 17. Ellinger to Funk, charging forward, still looking. He's in there. He crosses the goal line for the two-point conversion. And the Colts get eight points on the possession, two more on the board, and now the Colts lead 21 to 17 with 4.28 to go. 12 seconds left, third and 10. Colts up 24-17. Peterman plants in the pocket, looking left, dancing, still juking and jiving his way. Now he's angling to the right side. He has the ball comes out, but they're going to say he was down before he tried to release the football. Right, so he takes running. a sack back to the 31-yard line. Colin Kareem is going to get the sack on Nathan Peterman, and the clock is moving that because is the of the sack. Of the That's the end of the game. There you go, Matt Taylor. Joe Wright's Colts Radio Network preseason game two. I have to admit, man, Matt made that thing sound incredibly exciting. You may have walked out of that place going, ah, yeah, whatever. We didn't see Anthony Richardson do anything but run out there. Uh, and we're probably pissed about that. 
But Matt made that sound exciting. I will ask you this. Uh, Jay Query's hanging in here for a minute because I want to ask him how day number one of the Midday Show went. Well done. We'll bring Jake on the air right here, the Midday Show, 12 until 3. It made his debut a little bit earlier today at noon that everybody had enjoyed. Now, among the greatest preseason players of all time in this indie market, where does Sam Ellinger rank? He's got to be right up there. Drew Haddad is the... That's the face of it, right? Yeah, it should be. Pretty much right there. Um, who was the guy? Was it P.J. Walker a couple of years ago that like was a late? It was like, oh, man, he's going to make the roster. Caesar he, Rayford was a guy, if Caesar you remember. Rayford, they he traded was him, like, right? Yeah, he was going to be like one of the great sack artists uh, of I mean, modern-day history. So far, Gardner Minshew is like, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, he's getting after it, right? Well, Ellinger just goes out there and makes stuff happen in the preseason, and that's that. There By the way, go. I think it's an eastern racer snake that's in your backyard. Is it? Yeah. It says they can move up to four miles an hour. He's a good friend. He gets the varmints. He just watches me well, mow. I mean, yeah. It says they're found throughout Indiana and prefer dry ground like open fields, meadows, and prairies. They come out during the snake. day. Does he come mm-hmm. out during the day? Yeah. You feel? Yeah. Have you named him? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have not yet, no. Did he? Is he afraid of you? Oh, yeah. I don't think he digs me. I think he's more afraid of the lawnmower. And so you let him be, though. Yeah, I don't mess with him. Yeah. And where does he live exactly? Does he have like all, I mean, do you. I bet you it's somewhere in my backyard. Maybe under the outbuilding. I mean, that maybe under the deck. That, that is a big snake. He is big. He is a big dude. Okay. He is a big dude. It doesn't dude. bother you. Does not bother me whatsoever. I just don't want to hurt him. I don't want to run over him or anything like that. You haven't so. named him? Haven't named him yet. You guys got a good name for him? He is. He, what do you think that is? Like four feet long, maybe? I mean, he, he's yeah. big. If he stretched him out? Yeah, he's a that's a big snake. You see him try to stuff himself down in that. I saw you. You you took a picture. Looks like me back when I was seven trying to get in my husky jeans, trying him on at Sears right there. If you're just joining, John just got in here and was mowing his lawn and took a picture and sent it on Twitter of a a snake peering out while you were mowing. He was mowing. He was watching me. Yeah, checking. And that's the first time you've seen him. Uh, No, he's that third year. He's been there for three years. Oh, really? Yeah, he lives He's there. He's got squatters rights yeah, there, right? he does. Does he have a family or neighbors or anything? I don't Parties? Know. I don't know. Yeah, I just okay. hope nobody gets at him, though, because he's, uh, he's a kind old fella. And he <laughs> okay. takes care of some moles and Fair enough. field mice and other stuff. Hey, how was day number one? Uh, it was good. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly different. Like, it's just a different – I think the hardest thing for me, John, was last night we went to Big Head Todd and Blues Travel right. over at Rock the Ruins. John and Popper, shout out. That's right. And, and it took – all day yesterday, my my mind, you know, just psychologically, I'm like, oh, man, I got to get up in yeah. you know, X number of hours. And then, you know, obviously I didn't have to. Um, and so to come in – and listen, I know and I'm aware of the fact – I've never worked with Jimmy before. I made the joke that we'd never met before. Obviously we have. Um, but you know, Jimmy and Eddie, who, who I've known and respected a great deal for the hard work they do, but I've never worked with either really. So that always takes a little bit of getting used to, um, for me, not for them, probably for them as well. Um, but you know, you, you feel your way through that, but it was fun. I mean, I, I, you know, I told Jimmy yesterday when we were just planning on what we're going to do and he's like, you know, wh- what do you think we need? And I'm like, well, the key is here. Let's just have fun. If we're going to have fun, listeners are going to have fun. And so that's what I wanted to do today. And hopefully we did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll let uh, everybody on Twitter let me know. Uh, everybody seems to be digging it right now. And uh, we knew that they certainly would. But no. Well done on day number one. I was trying to think about a variety of things here, too. I'm going to get to my Colts takes from Saturday. Uh, we'll dive into that in a second, too. But I was watching a winning time. 
and it's uh, about Jeff Perlman's book regarding the Lakers. Right. And this is not a Laker take, <laughs> but last night's episode involved Larry Bird, and there was a scene in it where Larry Bird, Bill Hodges, the then assistant coach at Indiana State, brought Larry Bird from French Lick to Terre Haute to play in, in pickup games against his guys. And this had it as Larry playing in jeans and work boots and lighting everybody up with 40 plus. <laughs> it's probably accurate, and this guy right? was actually out there playing in, in jeans and work boots and was was lighting everybody up. And I was asking some folks over there if that was true. I, I have heard, I guess, variations of that story. Um, maybe the jeans part, the work boots thing was a little bit new for me. Have you ever heard that story about not that first that workout at Indiana State when he lit everybody up in jeans? No, I know that um, Robin Miller, you know, our mutual friend, Robin has always told me about the time, John, when when Larry first got to Indiana State yeah. and the SID wrote to Robin and said, you got to come see this guy play. And Robin's like, it's Indiana State, man. I mean, you know, I got other yeah. things going on. So Robin finally said, I'll tell you what, I'll come to a game, and like if he gets 40 and 10, I'll come back to a second one. And he went for like 45 and 19 boards or something. Robin's like, oh my gosh. I mean, that, you know, it is amazing with a guy like that. And sure, he started at IU, but you kind of wonder when it all came together for him because how did a guy like that, and nothing against Indiana State, but I'm saying, I mean, the circuitous route just to get there. How did that slip through the cracks mean, he, he three goes, times? Yeah, he goes to he goes to IU. Didn't like it basically. You know, Hitchhike back is the legend. Uh, worked in a trash truck in French Lick. You know he played. It's, it's interesting at the hotel down there. He played a lot of the staff workers in pickup games down there. And he, but it was well, interesting you know the, last night that that was that was the emphasis in this episode of Winning Time on HBO. It was pretty cool. You know the Kent Benson story with Bird. You know Bird got to indiana jim yep. wisman was his roommate bird goes for the first workout and everybody they're playing pickup ball and he goes in and starts taking some shots and ken benson's like what are you doing freshman you're not allowed to, you know you rookie freshman mm. young guy totally talked down to him and so bird's like okay so he leaves and you have to wonder now can you imagine in 75 when scott may breaks his arm and they go against kentucky oh, and dayton yeah Oh, Scott Mason, let's put in Larry Bird. <laughs> yeah, makes, I mean, makes you wonder. Yeah. Speaking of wonder, uh, what was your take on not playing Anthony Richardson? Because I've got two parts to mine, and I'll get to the emphasis of that coming up, at least with me a little bit later on. But what did you start in, in thinking whether or not he should have played in that game Saturday? I wasn't as bothered by it as others, strictly because I think in reality – what you are trying to do for Anthony Richardson is the long-term vision of what you think is best for him. And if they felt like because of the fact that there were not going to be a lot of guys that he's going to be playing with in the regular season anyway or whatever else, and it was maybe they thought it was best for him to just sit and watch Gardner Minshew and see what Minshew does and reads and, and, and things like that. So in that regard, I didn't have as big a problem with it. I, I'm under the assumption that they know him best and know how he's going to react to circumstances best and – yeah, it might not have helped them with winning games for this year, but this year is all about him winning games three years from now. So that was my take. Well, and that, that's that's fine. That part is to me. Now, do I think he needs reps? Absolutely. But your take is fine. The problem I had is you could have let everybody know that he wasn't playing. Could have let everybody know. They let that thing hang out there until everybody got in, and then he was warming up. He was in uniform and all that. And, and I think that's lame. I think that part is lame. 
I, I don't. I, I think that does a disservice to them when they do that from the past five years of maybe not being as transparent to try right. to be more transparent. And it's almost like, hey, come on out. This guy may play. May Oh, he's not going to play. I'm not suggesting that's why everybody was there. But everybody that I talked to in Touchdown Town was excited about getting to see maybe a series or a couple of plays. And they knew that he wasn't going to play. They knew that, so you could tell everybody I, that. I guess if the you question just John, be is, completely open. What would, what is their benefit? I, uh, good question. Uh, uh, that's, of that's being a good, non-transparent because the question. tickets have already been sold, right? Good, and that's a great. I mean, question. there's not walk what, up. What is their benefit other than it being negative, and, and other than me talking about right. this right here? Do I think it's the biggest of deals? No, but it was a fumble. Okay, I mean that was a fumble. Uh, now let me let me put on a tinfoil hat here right please do comes with the territory of the new day part um is it possible that the colts part of i'm not saying entirely this isn't why they held him out but is it possible that they were non-transparent about it because they knew that becomes the storyline and now no one's talking about the fact that their franchise running back is unhappy uh, I don't think it had anything to do with that. I just I, mean, think, I don't. Yeah, I, I just I think it's the normal type of NFL organizational games, games yeah, you get. The, the, yeah, and in that case, it was completely unnecessary. I mean, it is funny that every it just NFL, gives people a reason to complain. Every NFL team acts like every single thing they do is the most top. There is no doubt about that. Yeah. No I doubt about that. that. And when listen, and you were here when it was at its height. There was nobody that was more controlling on any message whatsoever. Than when Bill Polian was here. I mean, everyone oh. didn't matter. I mean, from somebody, if you like we will voice, not move forward. <laughs> we will not move forward. From a voicemail message to anything, I just thought, man, I, that's what I described it. I was with Tony Katz this morning. I said I just thought it was lame. I thought that was lame. Just go ahead and tell everybody beforehand, and maybe everybody still goes. I mean, it was a beautiful evening. The roof, the window was open. You know, all these spectacular pictures everybody was taking in there. It's like everybody had a really good time. That's fantastic. And then, you know, you give people reason to question some of your motives here, and they don't need that. Who had the greatest crossover dribble in NBA history? Allen Iverson. That's Payette, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think by that time they were carrying the ball. I mean, you're talking about non-carrying the basketball no, division? No, Iverson's a good one. So we'll have to call this segment the Iverson because it's the crossover, yeah. right? I mean, there, there was a point in time when, you know, you couldn't carry it with you like they do now. And, you know, if you had a crossover back then, what, Norm Nixon, I mean, Nate I guess, Archibald? I guess if you've got a crossover that froze Michael Jordan in order to hit a jumper from 18 feet, you <laughs> yeah, probably have probably, a pretty good one, which is what Iverson did. Probably right? pretty good, right, there. Right. I would start with a crossover, the AI. All right, I know you got to run here. What you guys got coming up tomorrow? Uh, actually, tomorrow, serendipitously, Friday night, I ran into Jeff George, and he was like, hey, man, I, I'll tell you what, I got some my thoughts on the way Anthony Richardson in the, in, mm-hmm. as a young player versus Jeff George going through it with Dickerson holding out, and he was like, man, I think there's a lot I learned that, that he could learn. I said, well, why don't you come on and talk about it? So he's going to do that tomorrow. If he had that and- to do all over again, what what would have happened? I think if Jeff had to do it over again, the number one thing would be and I, this is hard because I think he's a loyal guy, but I think he would prefer to not have been drafted in his hometown just because, as he's told me, I mean, like all his – you know, he was 20 years old, 21 years old. All his high school buddies are here. Yep. Um, and so I think the, the the maturity thing is one thing that he'd like to have as a do-over. Um, but I also think that, you know, there was just so much turmoil back then with, between Bob Ursay and, 
and the the roster changeover and you know there was a lot going on for yeah. certain but i think he would be the first to tell you that the way he handled that and the the lack of focus that he had in the outset of it of just with a head on a swivel of everything going on it probably would have been better for him to have started in atlanta or in oakland as opposed to in what's here. funny what you first mentioned you get any of these guys that come from here and then come back and play and they say the most difficult thing to do is to play here yeah. And to play in your hometown like this sure. because I mean you just got action coming at you twenty four seven three six five. You gotta try to you gotta try to justify it and then categorize it to make sure it doesn't take you away from your game. Region Brian's mad at me that um that I'm having on Jeff George and because he got on me. Who from, is this region? Oh, that's that guy. He's a truck driver, right? Yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, um, yeah he, was, was, he got at me back in the uh, well. I was flattered time. that no matter where I go, he seems to be listening, which is awesome. Yeah, he's a buttwad, really. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> you said that I did. Hello, buttwad, and then who cares? You but, said that I did. But Jeff George is coming up tomorrow. That's correct. Well Twelve thirty tomorrow. Yep. Well done with Jeff George right there. Hey, great first day from you. Thank you. Appreciate it. That is Jake Query right there, everybody. Query and come. Company, noon until three. Hey, there was a change of pace this morning too. Andy Sweeney. They did not go with the morning wood with Sweebo. They went with the morning wake up call with uh, Kevin and Andy. And uh, that got off to a flying start. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Uh, earlier this morning. I want to double back to a lot of cult stuff, too. Ryan Walters, Boilermaker head coach, going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Can you believe, Boilermaker fans, next week your team plays? Next week versus Fresno State. Now, it's a week from this Saturday, but you can now say next week. It's amazing. We'll get into uh, Ryan Walters and getting set for his first season when it's real against Fresno State. Ryan's going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Stephen Holder in the 4 o'clock hour. And Nate Atkins of the Stars going to join us coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Clearly a lot of Colts heavy-duty nature of this conversation. I... um. Again, I don't want to sit here and complain every single day about something. I just thought that there's a better way to handle that to where you don't have some whiner like me complaining about it. Would I like to see him out there and get a couple of snaps? Sure. Is he going to probably play coming up later on this week in Philly? As Jake Wright about they know their team and their quarterback, their rookie better than we do? Absolutely. But... You just, you try to do stuff. It's like me and social media. This is a true story right here. I try to think on how you're going to interpret what I tweet or what I put on Facebook. I try to interpret like two or three steps prior. Like with this snake thing, I can't tell you just to cobble together a sentence. It literally took me 30 minutes. I'm thinking, all right, so what is this dumbass is going to say something? So I tried to be incredibly careful because I understand that some of the ways in which what you text, what you tweet, whatever is interpreted because you're not directly in front of somebody can be taken differently or certainly can be misconstrued completely opposite to what you meant that to be. And I'm sure that they meant no harm, I'm guessing, in this. But you can bring it up. That's the problem. It's not clear. You can easily bring it up. And we're in like the fifth year of bringing stuff like that up. And you just don't, you want to get clear. And the only true way to get clear of that, no doubt, is winning. And they're not going to do a lot of that this year. 
but you can also do yourself a service and just kind of think a little bit ahead. All right, well, how's that going to sound? There was no reason to be secretive about it. All right, so you're not going to play your guy? Then so be it. Matt Eberflus said that on Thursday. I just think sometimes, especially in this world, where you're getting snap judgments on just one single sentence on Twitter or via social media, that you have to think about that. I mean, I know what you're saying. Why do they have to think about this in terms of the fans? Because they're your fans. Because you don't want this type of conversation. We can sit here and debate all day long whether or not he should have played because he just needs the reps, and there's no question about it. But if you want to sit him, you know, maybe you tell somebody prior to kind of prepare them for that. Everybody gets in there. They get settled down. He runs out, warm it up, and then, ah, there it is. There's Gardner Minshew. And everybody loves Gardner Minshew. Everybody loves Sam Ellinger. But this is, you know, your highly coveted future high level is what you hope peace. So if you get that far... You know, give him a series. Give him a couple of plays. Have him throw it to his roommate a couple of different times. His roommate was out there. I'm not trying to put him in harm's way with a backup offensive line or anything like that. And if you're not going to play, just kind of let everybody know. Say, hey, you know what? You know, we're not going to play him. This is kind of our thought. And this is how we're moving forward with that particular thought. And then nobody like me or anybody else, nobody gets on social media and starts questioning that. And everybody stays on top of the whole Jonathan Taylor stuff. Speaking of which, do you have the sound of Jim Irsay being asked that question in the booth? See if you can track that down regarding Jim Irsay, regarding Jonathan Taylor. Uh, James, you can think about that. See if you can find it. Here's what I felt about it. For those of you watching in the third quarter, I felt that it was a huge effort for Jim not to say anything inflammatory. That's what I thought. Because you know you're going to get a, a Jim Irsay type of answer. But I thought that he was incredibly measured to make sure at this point you don't make anything worse. Because if you go back and listen to it or if you watch it again, he starts in this place where he's asked and then in a huge roundabout, he goes the long way around to basically getting us back to where we started. That's what I understand. All the way back to where we started. Now he's going to make sure that he says all the right things about how much I like Jonathan Taylor, how much he's needed, and basically telling you that now is not the time for them. But that time is fastly approaching. It was a roundabout way to get you all the way back to where we sit right now. You know, normally you get something coming out of that. And if you look back on Saturday night, I mean, you had people that were sending out tweets about it, but there wasn't much. Wasn't much there. He didn't give you much to go on. Now, and that's good. That's not a bad thing. But that's how I interpreted what he had to say. Now, basically, what you have seen up until this point, that is all the information we're going to give, and then time will ultimately let this play out, which to me means either the dude, when he is deemed at some point here healthy, 
again, air quotes, he will either play or he will lose a buttload of money. Time. On the clock. But that's how I felt. That went with Jonathan Taylor on Saturday night. You know, it's kind of funny. Somebody had asked me some of the huge takeaways out of that game. I didn't really have very many. I mean, other than Sam Ellinger being one of the greatest preseason players that this organization has ever seen here. You know, looking for offensive line depth, I guess, because that opportunity was there. There's no doubt they need that. You know, Josh Downs getting a lot of run. Do you understand the level of importance that they're going to to view him as at some point? But really not a lot. And there's no doubt they value they value those in practice, combined practice situations much more than they do the preseason games. Uh, off to Philly they go. They'll have a couple of those and then a game coming up later on this week that we shall talk about with you at 239-1070. The email address is jamvia1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. We'll get on there in a second and celebrate with you all. Stephen Holder, Nate Atkins, all still to come. We got stuff to give away today? What do we got, James? Let me know. I don't know. Tell me. I believe we have more of the Hoosier Hardwood Festival tickets oh, to give Hoosier away. Hardwood. Why yes, not? Do. Boone County Fairgrounds coming up. The Hoosier Hardwood Fest tickets to give away. Not that for you. you. Got a busy week around here as well, too. We'll dive into that. I mentioned, too, to Jake, if you watched Winning Time last night, if you watched that, year number two of that show, and I think it's absolutely outstanding. Now, John C. Riley plays Dr. Jerry Buss. Great job. But there was a focus on Larry Bird last night, and that made it a classic episode. It did. I will say this. The guy that plays Larry Bird is pretty good. Now, he's got a kind of a blonde puby mustache and some acne going on. It's good. Big-time jump shot. But a lot of those stories you hear and you never knew if they are all 100% true. Got brought into the equation. All right, we'll talk about that coming up as well. And Tyrese Halliburton having a big one for Team USA. We'll dive into that coming up as well. Again, 239-1070. On the other side, the first-year head coach, Ryan Walters at the Boilermakers, set to join us next week. Here comes Fresno State for the Boilers. The first-year head coach joins us coming on the other side. And 239-1070 is the number. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, the stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I always appreciate Pat for that. Stephen Holder, top of the hour, ESPN.com from the star. Nate Atkins is going to be in here coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Stuff to win. Location broadcast coming up on Friday, I believe. I'll tell you where in a minute, too. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. We know when and where game number one is for the Boilermaker football program because we can now sit here and say they start next week. And their first-year head coach up in West Lafayette joins us now via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Ryan Walters with us. Hey, Ryan, thank you for the time. How are you? 
I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Let me tell you, it feels weird saying a week away. Next week, you guys are going to be putting it on and getting it done for real. That's. Uh, it seems like it's probably coming much quicker for you than it would be anybody else at this point, isn't it? Well, now it actually it seems like it's going slowly. Oh, really? We can't wait for game day. Turn it around. Here, man. So, yeah, we, we're, we're ready. We're chomping at the bit. Well, it's funny, too, because I know you're a guy that you, you get things done meticulously um, from what people tell me up there and, you know, making sure you dot all those I's and cross all those T's. Um, what, what are the things that, that are really important to you in preparing a football team? And you're doing that as a head coach for the first time and, and really slowing things down, as it apparently has with you in preparation for that first game against Fresno State. Some of the most important things you prepare you and your team for in that process. Yeah, well, you know, because we've got such a mix of experienced players, but that they're, they're not experienced playing with each other, um, you know, bringing in three new schemes, both offense, defense, and uh, special teams, you know, we've, we've really harped on situational football and, and really being meticulous and detailed about, you know, how we'll play the game and, and certain situations that'll uh, determine if you, you win or lose a game. So we've spent a lot of time just enhancing our football IQ and working on those things. How quickly did it uh, you get acclimated to you know getting ready to get that first game as a head coach? How quickly did you get your feet on the ground in West Lafayette once you got that gig? I mean, as soon as I got here, man, I went to work um, and you know try to assemble a staff, you know, keep together a uh, recruiting class that we'll see a lot of the true freshmen on the field this year. Um, and so you know, there was no time to to sit and and sort of take it all in. You know, I remember that first, really the first month and a half felt like one long day because uh, you were always, there's always something to do. It still is. Uh, but now we've got a, a facility full of people that are you know, high quality individuals um, on and off the field and uh, really, really happy with where we're at. Who'd you uh, lean on for your advice getting into this right now? And, and probably still do to a great degree, but uh, who's at the top of that list that you would call and say, all right, so this situation, this is my reaction. What do you think? Who's that person? Yeah, you know, I don't have any one person. You know, I've been blessed to be on a career path that has put me in, in touch with a lot of uh, great, great men, not only on the field but off the field, that have, have tremendously influenced my career. Um, so, for different different areas, I'll call different different individuals. You know what I mean? It's uh, Ryan Walters, the head coach of the Boilermakers, with us. Um, I was talking about this with a couple of different Boilermaker people leading up to to this conversation. Um, Graham Harrell's a guy I've had on the show before when he was at USC, mm-hmm. and uh, because obviously, you know, innovative offensive mind, fast paced offensive mind. How important was that get in getting him in to what you're doing in your number one offensively? How is how important was that to you to get somebody like that and somebody that has done what he has done so far? Uh, it was hugely important. I knew as a defensive guy and a, and a play caller um, that coming to a place like Purdue that has been known for high-powered offense, that it was going to be important for me to get an OC that would be able to attract quarterbacks and offensive skill players. And so um, hiring Graham was, was pivotal. Um, it allowed us to go to the transfer portal and get, in my opinion, the, the best uh, quarterback that was available in Hudson Card um, and has allowed us to, to surround him with, with weapons and um, tools to have a success offensively. So getting a guy like Graham was uh, was a home run for sure. How has Hudson Card looked to this point to you in preparations? Well, you guys will find out. I mean, it's, <laughs> I've been I've been uh, thoroughly impressed. 
Um, you know, I don't want to speak speak for him, but I, I can't wait to watch him go play. Yeah, it's um, it, it's funny too. That's stuff you have to think about in this this era of of really anything sports wise is, you know, the dynamic to where you can you know attract in the now and play well in the now, Ryan, but also attract for the future. And uh, there's so many different dynamics going on in your world. Yeah, there definitely is. You know, and I, I think because of you know, my age, but also, you know, I know I'm young, but I've, I've been around the game a long time and I've been in this profession for a while. Um, I, I sort of use both of those experience and, and age to um, be able to adapt and adjust and, and thrive in the ever-changing landscape of college football. I'm assuming that it was at some point in your playing career where you said, you know what, I can, I can coach this game up at some point. When, when was that for you? When was that realization that this is what I wanted to do one of these days? You know, I think it was in, in college when I made the move from quarterback to safety and then really understood sort of defensively how it fits with offensive football. Um, and once that happened, like my, was, my mind was just blown in, in terms of being able to understand the ins and outs of the X's and O's and how they fit um, on both sides of the ball. And so once that sort of came easy. And so I'd say right around my junior year of college, I was like, man, I, I think I can do this coaching thing and, and do it at a high level. It always interests me to Ryan, positional moves coming out of high school and then you guys get a hold of them and you say, hey, you know what, maybe maybe you're better suited here. You know, you did that collegially at Colorado. How often have you seen that over your career so far? Is that, is that something you have an eye for? Hey, you know what, this guy's really good here, but what if now we can put you here and make you even better? How often do you see that? Do you have a good eye for it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, the programs I've been a part of haven't necessarily been like your your blue bloods, right? Like the your local sure. um, universities. And so you kind of got to cre- get creative with the recruiting process. And so I've had a, a ton of success with high school wide receivers that get moved to DB in college because they have a, a familiarity with the route tree. They got ball skills. They know how to track it while it's in the air. And so if they're tough enough to play on defense, now you got a guy that can not only get a, a pass breakup, but they can get interception and those change games. And so, uh, you know, look back on, on my career as a coach. You know, we had a couple guys that were offensive players in, in high school that, that moved to the defensive side. At Missouri, that got drafted. You know, Kirby Joseph was a, a high school wideout as well when I was at Illinois. He's now starting for the Lions. Um, you know, Sidney Brown was a, a slot receiver and a a safety in high school, and you know he he might mess around and start as a rookie for the for the Eagles. And so, um, you know, we've recruited some guys here that were high school wideouts that are now playing DB that I think have a tremendous uh, career ahead of them. When, when you were a player, were you comfortable in that? that coaching conversation that you got regarding that too. And is it most of the time these players, when you talk to them about a positional change opportunity, are they comfortable with it as well? Yeah. I think as long as you're open and honest and transparent with why you're trying to make that move and, and how it would benefit them long-term in the game, um, then they're open to the change and ultimately it's, it's their decision. Right. And so um, as long as, you know, you, you don't want to be forcing somebody to do something that they don't want to do, but, you know, if you present the picture and it makes sense, and, and usually you know it, it does make sense because you're not just moving guys to move guys, um, then if they can see specifically like a monetary value in making a move, they're they're open to it. So Ryan Walters, first year head coach of the Boilermakers, they open up coming up a week from Saturday at home against Fresno State. He's with us via the Andy Moore 
Automotive Group Hotline. I want to get to Fresno State and your thoughts on them coming up in in just a minute, too. Uh, You're a defensive guy. You're a defensive lean. Uh, Do you have more of an eyeball focus, certainly defensively, than you do offensively? But now you're, you're the head coach. How much more is there a balance of both sides of the football for you now that you're a head football coach? Yeah, I mean, obviously my expertise is on the defensive side of the ball, so I'll spend most of my time there. Um, but I do think I can provide a different lens offensively and special teams-wise. Um, I just want to be prepared, you know, going into the game, they knowing what our opponent is going to do, um, you know, how many suggestions I'll make, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I'm, I feel like I've hired guys that are, are capable and, and can excel at their jobs, so i got to allow them to do their job um, in order to be the best head coach that I can be. You know, Devin Mockaby is from Southern Indiana. I'm from Southern Indiana, too. And there wasn't a lot of, of fanfare for him coming out of, of high school. And, you know, a year ago, he made it all happen. I mean, he really did. Played as, as well as you could, you know, considering the circumstances and the expectations they have. How does a guy like that that has, you know, really expanded everybody's thought on the level of play in which he can reach, how does he raise the bar on that? Yeah, you know, he's been tremendous. Um, you know, he obviously my first order of business as a head coach was to provide him a scholarship because of the the damage he did a year ago. And so to see him sort of mature in his role um, and really embrace his role and, and be confident in it has been fun to watch, you know, through winter workouts, through spring ball, fall, um, you know, summer workouts and now fall camp. Um, you know, we call him the mechanic because he, he does – he loves um, – He's loves a drag racer. Cars. Yeah. Uh, specifically Mustangs, um, and when he walks in the building, it kind of looks like a mechanic. So <laughs> um, it's, it's fitting. Um, but you know, he, his knack for for seeing windows uh, that that it's seemingly aren't there and being able to get through those and, and explode up the field and, and make people miss. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad he's on our team now, and I don't have to. I try to get guys to go tackle them. Yeah, it's funny, Ryan. You, you, as an ex-athlete, would certainly know that, too. Man, you always want that chip, right? That chip on your shoulder. And he had one that was massive because he performed at a high level. Yet, as you mentioned, that he did not have a scholarship. And you got to make sure, too, that the dude's always looking further down the road. And he seems like that that's his M.O. He's always looking for more. He always maintains that chip on the shoulder that got him to where he is right now. That can transition somebody into a really special player. Yeah, no doubt. You know, sky's the limit for him and, and what he will be able to do in his career while he's at Purdue. Um, and he definitely has a chip on his shoulder. You know, the thing I love most about Devin is uh, you you know what he's going to get every day. He's consistent and, you know, he is consistently at, at full speed um, and, and maximum effort. Yeah, the uh, mechanic, the pride of Boonville High School down in southern Indiana. It is uh, head coach Ryan Walters with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I did dabble into your defense and your thoughts on that. What, what do you like about what you have seen so far from your group in West Lafayette? Yeah, I think we got the makers to be really good. You know, we're big up front. Uh, we've got great pass rushers. Uh, we got a, a middle linebacker that can go sideline to sideline. We got experienced safeties that have range, that are physical in the run game. Um, we went out and got corners that can cover, and, and that will show up in the run game as well. So um, we've got the makings. I think we've got the scheme, um, and we've got the attitude to go do something special and, and play good defense. All right, Fresno State. I mean, you're trying to hustle that thing up to have it get here quickly. Um, it'd be a week from Saturday. What do you think? Historically speaking, they're always pretty good year after year. That's one thing about them. 
Yeah, I mean, sure, they won 11 games a year ago. And obviously, they've had a, a lot of production leave that place. But one thing I know about uh, Fresno and, and the pride they take that down there in the Valley is, is playing tough, playing physical, um, playing their brand of football. You know, they don't shy away from competition. Uh, they, they thrive in games like these that are presented with opportunities to uh, do something special. And, and I got, you know, great respect for uh, that coaching staff over there. Um, you know, they've been around and, and, and done damage in, uh, in this profession at a high level for a long time. Um, so the thing that we got to do is we got to be able to embrace the unknowns. You know, it's the first game of the season. Um, they'll have wrinkles. They got new faces um, that will, um, you know, make up for some of the production that they lost a year ago. But we just got to, you know, rest in our preparation, um, adhere to our rules from a schematic standpoint, offensively, defensively, and special teams, and ultimately be the most excited team in the stadium to go play. What um, is your field? Do you want it to get tested early? Do you, do you mind getting tested with a, a really good team as early as possible? Yeah, I mean, let's let's go play football. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't like easing into a season or easing into a schedule. Let's hit the ground running and find out what we're made of and um, and, you know, whatever happens, move on and go to the next one. All right. Well, go get it. It's great to have you on down here in Indy. If you don't mind, we'll reach out to you, get you back on here, see how things are going over the course of the season. But we'll try to go ahead and see if we can't speed up that clock a little bit, too, and get a week from Saturday, Saturday here as uh, quickly as possible. I, I appreciate your time, as always, and the best of luck this season, Ryan. Thanks, man. I look forward to it. It's a Ryan Walters right there, the uh, first-year head coach of the Boilermaker football program. All ball, as you can tell right there. The Maccabee story, I think, is just awesome, by the way. this I, I know, I'm Southern Indiana, Southern Indiana, but I love it that you come in, you're a walk-on, and you just blow all expectations out of the water. So, obviously, that next question is, what's next? You know, where do you go next? How can you raise the bar on what you just smashed, again, expectations-wise, last year? Nah, good stuff right there. Ryan Walters podcast. We'll put that up at 1075thefan.com. Um, according to ESPN.com, Michigan has self-imposed a three-game Harbaugh ban. Harbaugh ban. <laughs> and that according to ESPN. To begin the 2023 season. Remember when they were trying to, you know, work something out with the NCAA? I think it was going to be the first four, right? And it's not like the first four was that daunting. Thus, the first three would be less daunting than the first four. So a three-game Harbaugh ban self-imposed Michigan for their football head coach. That's according to ESPN. Back on the other side, Stephen Holder, top of the hour. We'll talk about the Colts for Saturday night. The Colts moving forward a week in Philly with both Stephen Holder and Nate Atkins of the Star coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'll join you coming up in just a minute. The stream, the app, HD Radio and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, Robo. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, Ryan Walters, first time on this show. Really good. Podcast that up, 107.5thefan.com. Uh, Stephen Holder, top of the hour. Nate Atkins going to be here in the 5 o'clock hour. I need to thank everybody that showed up at our fan event our first ever golf outing at back nine on Friday. You guys absolutely outstanding was the day. Thank you so much for being there. I love it when you guys come out. 
Love it. You know, I love to do live shows. You know that because I'm out all the time. But uh, that was fun as hell. Yeah, even when I found out I had high blood pressure. That's good, though, man. I mean, that's what people need to do. They need to pound me, right? They need, stop. They need to pound me over the head with get this checked. Do something about it. Don't half-ass this like you normally do stuff, right? Yeah, Mr. Rehab, Mr. Non-Following Through. That's kind of my M.O. So, yes, hit me over the head. I was shocked, though, to be honest. I thought, yeah, I'm just going to go over here, slide the arm in. Everything's going to be just fine. And whoa, Jenny was taking my BP. And she had that look. Like, come on. But nah, that's really important to make sure you know your numbers today. I'm glad I know mine, but we had a spectacular time raising money for the American Heart Association on Friday. I mean, a job well done by everybody at the station. A job well done. All our listeners. I just saw J-Law post about that inside the lounge via YouTube Live. That was awesome. Great day. All of us there. Uh, really was. So Damon writes this. Love the interview with uh, Coach Ryan Walters. Thanks, JMV, to answer one of your questions. I'd love to see seven wins. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to get there. But it's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be interesting to watch. The defense is going to be, that's why I asked him the defensive question. He is a defensive lean. But how many times in the past have you seen the defense not live up to the offensive prowess, even though the head coach is a defensive leaning dude? Seems like it happens all the time. I mean, hell, we saw it happen right here. Uh, JMV, is there any other name for your snake than Jake the Snake? <laughs> yeah, you can see that bit pretty big. I thought he was like a four-footer if you stretched him out. I didn't want to really mess with him because uh, I want him to hang around. If you watch that at JMV107, you can click on that picture when he is um, he is trying to stuff himself in a hole in my backyard, <laughs> and he was being rather unsuccessful. So I it reminded me, I said that to Jake, it reminded me back when I was like eight years old and my mom took me to the, uh, the boys' department to hunt for uh, Sears tough skin jeans, trying to stuff myself into one of those pair of tough skin jeans back then. He was trying to get down in there. I just couldn't do it. Couldn't get the entire bot down there. Uh, latest regarding Jim Harbaugh. Three-game Harbaugh ban. Now, that's according to ESPN. And that's self-imposed from Michigan, too, by the way. Hey, Jamie, I completely agree. All it take is, hey, you know what? We're not going to play the rookie quarterback tonight. Don't have any intentions on playing. Because otherwise, you start talking about, we're just trying to get people in there. Then people start talking about, well, they don't care about their people. I will say this. The crowd was inspired. That was a hell of a crowd. Hell of a crowd on Saturday. Touchdown Town was hopping. And I don't know who this band is. I never got their name. But all they did was play Bon Jovi songs. Anybody know the local band that does nothing but Bon Jovi? The Gorman guessed it was called Ron Jovi. I do not think it was Ron Jovi. I guess maybe non-Jovi. 
But all they did was play Bon Jovi songs. And the kicker to this, they had the drummer. The drummer had a drum kit that was rather expensive. He was about seven feet in the air on the back of the stage. So they put some money into that local band. Because that stuff's not expensive right there. But they played nothing but really, really loud Bon Jovi in Touchdown Town. I just never got their name. But man, it was hopping down there for real. Mm, hell of a time. Uh, Litzy writes this, Purdue is in good hands. Watch out for the Boilermakers. Great interview with the Purdue head coach, Ryan Walters. Thank you, Litzy. Appreciate that. Uh, who wrote this right here? Ah, Brian Harris says, if George could do it again, man, what a talent. Needed not to be a Colts quarterback. You know, I said that to Jake. You often hear guys that are from here that return here to play uh, not digging it because there's just so much coming at him at once. I think about that all the time. What would you do if you could do it all over again? If you could start at a certain point and then try to do it all over again, what would you do? How would you do it? What would you change? Think about that in terms of Jeff George. He closed strong in his career. It took a minute to get there. Uh, quick break. We'll come back. Nate Atkins in the 5 o'clock hour. What Stephen Holder saw on Saturday, and Jonathan Taylor on the road to Philly with his teammates coming up this week as well. We'll get the latest on that and a lot more. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com, top of the hour. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Get the conversation going with me in there. And at 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Don't go away. The Ride with JMV. Here's Johnny! Don't! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. Don't! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Ryan Walters, first-year head coach of the Boilers earlier. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Who's your Hardwood Fest tickets coming up? Get you some wood a little bit later on, so you guys hang tight on that. Nate Atkins, Indy Star, is going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour, too. Busy week, Union Jack Pub. That is a tavern tour stop coming up on Friday, I believe. Right, James? Friday? Friday, everybody. Broad Ripple, Union Jack Pub. Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline from ESPN.com. Stephen Holder joins us. Hello, Stephen. How you doing? Hello, Stephen. How you doing? Hello, Stephen. I'm John. How are you doing? Did I hit the wrong button there? I think you did. No, oh, did I really? Oops. <laughs> I only did it three times right there. Here's a fourth. Hello, Stephen. How are you doing? Hey, uh, do we have – are you mad at me? No, no. <laughs> Numbnuts here, num here hit the wrong button. And Numbnuts is me. <laughs> So yeah, hey, way to go. We we all have our moments. It's all good. <laughs> we do. All right. I don't want to make a great deal out of this, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the last thing that that they need. But they do do this crap to themselves. 
And I'm talking about the Colts. All right, I want to see Anthony Richardson a series, right? Maybe a couple of plays here or there. Yeah. Throw it to his roommate a couple of different times at camp, whatever, and, and then take him out. Uh, you know, give the crowd an opportunity to see what they really, Colts-wise, came to see. All right, so if you decide against doing that, at the very least, can you let everybody know? Because you can't tell me, oh, yeah, we're not going to go ahead and play him tonight. They, they knew that well before they started that game. And at least tell the crowd so it doesn't look like you're trying to, to make it look like you're trying to get everybody in their seats before you make that announcement. Is that too much to ask? Yeah, it would have been nice. And I think you can look to the Chicago Bears, our old friend Matt Eberflus, who on, I believe, Thursday. Thursday correct. Yeah, told, I, you know, I was there with, at the joint practice, told the media assembled that his starters wouldn't be playing. I mean, it wasn't a big surprise, right? No, I mean, they it wasn't. got after it this yeah. week. They really got after it. And and I think that's what you want in the joint practice. And this has been going on for a few for a few years now. You know, when you have these joint practices, coaches tend to pull back in the the actual ensuing game. So that's typical. No one's going to be surprised by that. This was weird though in in that first of all, on Thursday, I wasn't aware we were not going to to, to get Shane Steichen. I, right. I wasn't aware he wasn't going to be available. So that was odd because it was on the schedule. On the previous schedule we'd been given, he was he was supposed to be available to speak. So that's why when he didn't answer the question on Wednesday, you know, the assumption was, all right, fine. He'll tell us tomorrow, <laughs> you know, and that did not happen. So that was odd. And then – uh, particularly, by the way, particularly when he, I believe, had told us going into the Buffalo game that Anthony Richardson would be starting that game. We were told that in advance. So it seemed reasonable and plausible that we would get a similar uh, heads up one way or the other going into to game two, right? Yeah, see, you're making it sound even worse for him right now <laughs> because of the whole <laughs> well, Thursday. That, so I mean, I, I agree. I agree. It, it actually gets worse. Yeah. And so then <laughs> – so I don't listen. I don't know what to make of this. I am not telling you what it means. I'm just telling you what happened here. And then on Saturday, I, look, a few of us at ESPN were curious about it because you know we want to kind of line up what's what's the news for the day and all that. And I was being asked, "Hey, is is Richardson going to play?" And I said, "You know, I don't know. Let me let me see if I can find out." And I asked around. And you would have thought that I was asking for Jim Ursay's bank account number. Right. Okay. Right. I don't know. It was weird, man. It was weird. I finally got what I thought was a confirmation that he wasn't playing, but I still wasn't 100% sure. It was very strange. I'll just leave it at that. And just, and there's, there's no reason to do that. I mean, unless you just want to make sure you get as many bodies in the stadium in your lone home preseason game, which, you know, a lot of the folks are already in there because they have season tickets and you have to buy that or at least part of the package is that game. And, you know, oftentimes I think it's cool because you get people in that building that don't often get the opportunity over the course of the season to go to games. And, you know, even if it wasn't purposely done, you you know, you can paint the portrait because so many people in the past five plus years are negative about that, paint the portrait of something going on behind the scenes that's kind of anti-fan and you don't want that you don't need that and you kind of do it to yourself i think in that circumstance if you just don't be honest and say again with no reason not to hey the dude's not gonna play yeah i you know i can't speak to motivations but i will tell you and by the way let me let me back up i can't speak to motivations and i also 
don't think that there's like a huge issue in the decision. Like, I, I don't know if I would have done the same thing, but I also, I'm not up in arms about it. Like, I'm not angry about it. I, right. I, mean, and, and, and no, I'm not angry about it, but I have no, to no, bring no, it. Not, yeah. I have to bring it up here. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, this is just a preface to what I'm about to say. Okay. So, but then when you make that point that, that people in the stands wanted to see him, I get that. Right. So I was, I, you know, I was a, a kid from a working class family and I've probably told this story before. I don't know. I've been, been doing these shows with you a long time. Right. But, but the point is <laughs> just for the sake of being redundant, you know, I was a working class kid growing up. We didn't have season tickets, you know, to, to the NFL games and my dad's company, because I presume the bosses didn't give a damn. They gave away the preseason tickets, you know, to the, to the worker bees. So my dad would get preseason tickets for the Dolphins, and we'd go. And I would, man, I, we would stay there till the last damn snap. Okay, it was a big deal. You know, I was the only time yeah. I saw the inside of that stadium, man. Right, and right. you know, so it, I relate to that. I relate to people wanting to to make that an experience. And, and I'm not saying you should make a decision based on that, but I also think that's where the sensitivity should come in and and giving people a heads up. So I get it. Totally get it. Yeah, I, you don't even want to come close to sparking a debate. You just, you just don't, and yeah. that's why I just kind of wonder at times you, why you don't. I give a great example. This is my example earlier, Stephen. It is the way I utilize social media or X or Twitter, whatever it is. Before I send out stuff, I often read it to myself five or six different times to see how many different ways that anybody out there can interpret it. And I think oftentimes, decision-making-wise, in this world, especially when you're trying to work your way back up from a negative spot in which you have lived in for a number of years around here, that you, you kind of got to do that as well. I mean, you have to be you have to make this as foolproof as possible to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if if you don't, then, you know, you, you leave. You got knuckleheads like me talking about it right now. Yeah. That's yeah. what happens, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's just how it works. So, you know, in the grand scheme, I think the Colts, probably correctly know that that these things will blow over and, and won't be an issue. So I don't I don't think they're worried about it in the grand scheme. But you know, look, I, I do think there's something to be said for avoiding headaches. I get it. Yeah, hey, there's nobody you are talking to the avoiding headaches king right here. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <Do that. right. laughs> I'm always I'm always looking out for the most hassle free path taken right there yep. so i could yep. i can help them out if they needed all right on the field wise i'll get to jonathan <laughs> taylor making that trip to philly in a second but on the field wise and then in the booth wise what stood out on the field there really wasn't a lot to me that i learned as far as what i didn't already know did anything stick out in that game saturday night to you actual playing on the field no not not especially except that you know their their offensive line depth is still bad okay so that is that is going to be an issue, and I would be frankly stunned if if they aren't uh, in the market for for some waiver claims. You know, when the final cuts come, I, I think that's next Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, a week from tomorrow, I believe that's correct. So I would be very surprised if you know the following day, Wednesday, Thursday of next week, if they aren't making a, a waiver claim or two. Uh, on the offensive line, because I, I just their depth right now. I think their their starting offensive line. I can live with it, and I think if, if guys like Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly, if they 
if they kind of bow their necks and, and kind of, you know, get, get themselves together, this, this could be a good line. But, um, but I don't, you know, if anybody gets hurt, I don't like their chances of, of holding up. And, and I just think with a rookie quarterback, you've already got so much to worry about. Uh, you know, he's got so much on his plate as it is. I don't want him burdened. You don't want Anthony Richardson burdened with, you know, an offensive line that that's breaking down. So, you know, look, it's inevitable that guys are going to get hurt. Five guys staying healthy for 17 games is, is almost impossible to expect. It's happened a time or two, including here, but it doesn't typically happen. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. They added a, a couple, at least depth for camp and training camp preseason, whatever, wide receivers end of last week with yeah. James Washington and DJ Montgomery. Know a great deal about James Washington. He, he got an opportunity to stick on this team once the regular season begins. And has there been anybody outside of the usual suspects here that you think has stood out as far as this process is concerned at that position? You know, it's kind of interesting, man. He comes in, and two days, or I think a day or two later, he's out there, and he, he makes a couple plays. And talking about Washington here. And I don't think it's out of the question that he could stick. I mean, He's been I counted on that. before. He's been counted yeah. on before in offenses. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, he has a body of work that these other guys just don't have. <laughs> so that has to count for something. And then the reality is, you know, look, we I was talking about this with, with Query earlier. Look, when Aston Doolin went down, I know we kind of shrugged and said, eh, you know, whatever. But it, it wasn't that losing Aston Doolin was such a hit to the offense. What it is is that it was a hit to their depth. So now a couple things. You know, Aston Doolin is the perfect, like, fifth receiver <laughs> because if he, he, he plays all the special teams and he, he's, he's always available to you in the kicking game, which is exactly what you want. And then if he has to play, if someone gets hurt and he has to go in there and, and back up Alec Pierce or somebody, you're totally fine with that because he's played important snaps. So you get the, the best of both worlds in a guy like that. Now what they have is they have to figure out who fits. You know, like Michael Strong, for example, you know, I think we, for two years we've all been wanting to embrace him and he could be a really good story, but his, his, there's two things holding him back. He, he does not play any special teams, and, and I don't know that that's going to change a lot this year. So that has not been a strength of his. And then, honestly, a lot of the plays he's made in camp, and he makes a lot of plays in camp. If you come to Westfield and watch, people who come have seen him make plays that are pretty impressive. It has not carried over to the regular season when he has got opportunities. So that's a knock on him. And then you've got – you know, guys, after that, it's kind of like, eh, you know, it's put them in a bowl and, and shake it up, you know. So put them in a hat and, and shake it up. That's kind of where we are. So that's why a guy like James Washington, you just you can't rule it out. It could happen. He, he could find a way onto the roster. Steven, is Mo Alley Cox in pretty big danger of not making this team? I don't know how to feel about Mo Alley Cox right now. I All right, I'll, I'll, do, I'll say this in a sensitive way. I think Moali Cox is a good player and we keep one we keep wanting to to discover whether he's more than that and the truth is I think we've seen his best maybe he has maybe we've seen his ceiling and and so 
that would be fine if the Colts had not done a, what I think is a, a pretty decent job of, of stocking that tight end room with some talent, some young, unproven talent. I get that, but it's talent nonetheless. Now, what their problem right now is injuries. Everybody's on the sideline, you know, licking wounds right now. If they get those guys healthy, I, I would love to see that room at full strength because that, I think, is the, the deepest position they've got maybe outside of a couple others. Maybe, maybe overall the deepest. So it definitely has the most potential, I think, of any room or any unit on that Colts roster. So I'm, I'm really interested to see if they can – if they can match their, their ceilings or reach their ceilings and, and expectations because – and so, anyway, to your, to your question about Mo Ali Cox, I, I do think that, you know, I don't know, if, I don't know what they're going to do, but, but it's at least a plausible conversation, you know, as to what his future is. And, and so, you know, you got to be more – got to have more to offer than to, just to say, oh, I'm, you know, he's the veteran guy who's experienced. Okay, that's great, but, I mean, that, that's not enough in and of itself, you know. So we'll see what happens. Look, these young guys, like, you know, uh, Jelani Woods of the world, I mean, it's their time. It, it really is. And, and they're with a quarterback, you know, who is going to make defenses have to make some decisions. I think there's going to be some favorable matchups for those guys. It just seems like he's kind of, especially when you get dinged up like that too, um, you kind yeah. of put yourself in a spot to where, you know, you can you go ahead and you know, cut and, you know, somebody's going to get paid more than, than everybody else around you right here and, and pretty much get in the type of season that you know you're going to get as far as the yeah. uh, tight end position is concerned. It just It seems like that he is in a dangerous territory to me right now. No, I don't think you're reaching at all. I think that I think that unit, we already talked about it being really competitive. So if that's true, then what you're saying is very defensible. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. we, we've said it from the beginning. That, was, that tight end room is going to be very competitive. The only reason we haven't talked more about it is because a lot of guys have been hurt. But I think had that room been at full strength, you'd be hearing very frequent conversations about who is and isn't you know, rising or falling in that unit because, you know, it, it's kind of dog-eat-dog in there, man. And, and that's a good thing, though. It's a good thing. I think that position, it, it had a little bit of a lull there. You know, we had Jack Doyle kind of call it a career, and, and I think that, that unit hasn't really been a strength for this team for a little bit, but, but it could be this year. So Stephen Holder of ESPN.com talking Colts via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So Jim Irsay, third quarter of the broadcast on Saturday goes on, and people had asked me what I gathered from that that answer when asked about Jonathan Taylor's situation. And I thought that it was the best that Jim was prepped by some others, I don't know if it was Pete or whomever it was, about how not to add fuel to the fire and basically, it was a long-winded answer of things with the conclusion that all of us already knew. That's what I gathered from that. What did you? Yeah, I, I really did not interpret that answer as, as moving the ball at all. I, I don't think it moved the needle one way or the other on Jonathan Taylor. So I, I kind of agree with you. I think when, when he talked about, you know, we're happy to have Jonathan Taylor back and you know, it's a big year and all that. All of that was just, you know, hey, this is what I want to happen. <laughs> this is what I want and hope will happen this year. That's what I read. That, that's, that was my read of Jim Marseille's comments. And so how do we know that? We know that because at the very end, in summarizing his, his comments, what did he say? He said, you know, 
you hope that that you don't have any of these problems, but but they do happen. And hopefully Chris Ballard, as we move forward, can help calm the waters. I'm kind of paraphrasing and kind of direct quoting. <laughs> but when you say calm the waters. Yeah, water, what, he created that. There's a biblical story here somewhere, yeah. I think. I don't know. <laughs> right? it, uh, anyway, that's a whole other thing. Anyway, so the point is, if you're, if you're needing to calm the waters, that means, by definition, the waters are rough. It's not resolved, man. <laughs> so that's an admission that it's not, it isn't, you know, wrapped up and, and this thing is not, um, you know, hasn't reached its conclusion, I guess. So I would assume with the calm the waters that that is a pro wanting him to be a part of this team. And for Chris Ballard yeah. to calm the waters, you would probably have to try to massage this situation in the moment with maybe an extra dollar or two, right? Is is that what he was saying with that well, at all? In the well, moment, in the moment. Fair, fair question. I, I think the argument against that conclusion is when Jim Irsay said, you know, timing is everything. That was a very – I thought that was a very important part of his comments too because, to me, that is the, uh, a, a continuation of his previous stance, which has been – you know, when the time comes, the, the contract will come. But the, but the conclusion before was that this is not that time. So if we're still saying that, and if that's still the position, then I, I can only presume that, that this is still their stance when you talk about timing is everything. Um, as of a couple of weeks ago, now was not the time. So that comment to me suggests that hasn't changed. But, but I do agree that that's one way. To resolve it but you know, the other thing you said or asked me is you know d- does it mean or does it indicate to me that you know this is going to be or that, that they want Jonathan Taylor here and, and that you're going to move forward I, I do think that's where this is heading just because time is of the essence now uh, Jonathan Taylor's got to get out there at some point pretty soon he's got to get out there on that field whether he does it here or he does it somewhere else, uh, he's got to get out there on that field and play some football. Otherwise, uh, none of this is going to matter. Yeah, I, I can also look at the timing of it is in week number one here against Jacksonville, if you are handing it off to Evan Hall and Jake Funk, that's bad yeah. timing. <laughs> that's that bad. Is with, with due respect that to both of those fair. guys, that's some bad timing right there. Can I just say, look, I, I grant you, as I already said, so I've already agreed with you, uh, the, the backup offensive line, the offensive line depth is not good. That being said, uh, I have not seen anything from these running backs that suggests to me they're going to be okay without Jonathan Taylor, okay? Can, I just be, can we just be honest about that? Like, yeah. This group as a whole – not very good. No. I think. No. Not very good. Hey, Shane Steichen, was it after the game the other night when he said medically cleared? When he is medically cleared? Did Steichen have that quote? Was that – did I, I hear that accurately? I believe that's right. Or he, he has been saying that once he's it, cleared by the medical staff. Okay. He said, he said a version of that before. I, but so, does this – where are you with it? Because all along – and I don't know if this makes me conspiracy theory guy or not, but all along I have felt this is just a motivational move uh, to make sure you get paid and you're not playing um, from – from the Taylor side of things here, meaning I think it's more of a hold-in situation than it is anything else. 
Is that the side that you buy, or does that, you know, needing medical clearance, does that maybe take you down a different path here? It's the problem is the guy who can answer that hasn't talked, and that's Jonathan. So we're left to kind of, you know, read the tea leaves and and body language or, you know, read between lines, and that's just so hard to do. All I can tell you is that I, I think that they have deferred to Jonathan to some degree here, to some degree, you know, when he says he, it doesn't feel right. And that's why he's gone off and got this treatment elsewhere and worked on that last week uh, before leaving again for the personal matter. Uh, so, you know, they've given him some latitude and, and I am, assume that is their way of saying, okay, you know, we, we hear you and we'll allow you the space to, to get healthy you know, with whatever's going on. But I, the, the problem is we don't have enough information to really make that assessment because all we know is that he had an ankle surgery back in January. We thought that would have been healed by now. Uh, is there something more going on as has been hinted? I don't think we have gotten full clarity on that. So it's just impossible to know. I think right now we're, we are working with incomplete information. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. That's the problem. No, okay. When's, um, when do you think is the last possible day that something can get done before everything start of the season wise is compromised with Jonathan Taylor in mind here? When's the, when's the day? Well, uh, this week I think is kind of inconsequential. They're going to have that one practice. They're going to have the game on Thursday. There's not much going on, right? So so he's not a factor this week, Jonathan Taylor. Even if he were to wake up tomorrow morning and feel great, magically be ready to come off of the pup list, well, they're not going to stick him in there and him be the starting running back the first day out of the, out of the gate, right? So I think this week we can just basically turn the page on this week. So that puts us back to, I, I presume, next Monday when they reconvene after the weekend, I, I guess they did get a little time off. Sunday or Monday, they'll reconvene, and and then you start making like legit game plans. Now you're talking about legitimately. Here's what we're doing against Jacksonville, right? That's a critical time, and so I just think for a running back who's going to take hits, it's not like any other position. It's not like most other positions. It's a physical position. Um, he's got pass protection requirements that are that are critical that he's got to know uh he is in the meetings don't get me wrong but but i just think the reps really matter even for a veteran guy they matter so at that point you're talking about two weeks of work after not practicing with your team since last december i think he needs it i really think jonathan taylor needs to be out there now whether they get the whether they get things settle from a contractual point of view i don't know i don't know that there's any reason to feel optimistic that's going to happen um i I think the colts are hoping jonathan taylor comes around and he says all right well i got to do what i got to do because i got four million dollars at stake yeah that's where we are (laughs) that is where we are it's like you know that's what it looks like yeah now the only thing i'd say is you know if if jonathan taylor continues at that point, if he continues to to push back, and and he still feels the same way, and and is not necessarily you know willing to to get out there or whatever the case might be, maybe at that point, you know maybe the Colts start feeling some heat at that point. But I, I don't know. I think up until now, they have 
from my vantage point, they have been, you know, just kind of waiting. The thinking time was on their side, do, you know, and, and yeah. both parties really. Do, do the Colts wish deep down inside that Taylor were to have to answer some of these questions and not them? <laughs> well, it would take the heat off of them. That's for sure. They, they'd rather Jonathan Taylor talk about it than Jim Mercy. I can tell you that. So <laughs> that I know. He, he did but, a good job in like a long-winded way of not saying anything more inflammatory. <laughs> so you can tell. His credit. Yeah. His credit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I listen. We were sitting there in the press box <laughs> with the broadcast turned on and tape recorders going. Trust me, okay because we knew it would come up. And the funny thing about it is I don't even think that Jim Mercer was asked specifically about Jonathan Taylor. He just went there. And like you said, to his credit, he didn't necessarily make a mess of it. And I guess, you know, maybe that was surprising, but, but he didn't. It's uh, Stephen Older of ESPN.com. There we go. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, so a uh, quick trip to Philly here, I guess, right? Yeah, I'm not. I'm actually. I'm. I'm bailing on this one, so I'll be there for the rest of them, but not for this one. It, you know, it's a, it's one practice and and a preseason game. Much, so, yeah. How much time yeah. do you think that uh, Richardson gets coming up here later on this week in the game? I. I mean, I, I. I'd like to see a quarter. I think a quarter would make sense. You know, I. I, I think that that's what they did in game one. We saw. Uh, the other two first-round quarterbacks play roughly a half, I believe, uh, last weekend or this past weekend. So, you know, that would be on the high side. The, the, the issue for me is if you play if you play Richardson for any length of time, he's got to play with the first offensive line. Don't put that guy out there with that second unit. Number one, it doesn't really help him, right? He's not going to play with those guys if you can help it, number one. Number two – it just exposes you a little more, especially if Philly plays some of their defensive guys, because <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> those guys are headhunters, man. So you don't want to mess with that. You know, I, I think, I think it, it makes sense to have him out there with the first unit. So, so the question then becomes, if he's going to play a quarter, a half, et cetera, are you willing to play those guys for that length of time? Well, that creates another question in itself, especially because a couple of those guys have already been banged up, right? So I, I don't know. There's a lot. Of, it, that's why the one thing I'd say is it, it's more than just like, oh, well, Richardson should play. Well, it's not that simple. I'm talking about past Saturday night. It's not that simple. If he's out there, then Quentin Nelson's got to be out there. Then Ryan Kelly's got to be out there. Braden Smith, even though those guys have been banged up. So, so those are the, the subsequent questions that come along with playing the quarterback. So Stephen Holder, ESPN.com and the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Always a pleasure, man. Have a great week. We'll do it again. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. It's uh, Stephen Holder on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. <laughs> yeah, you just think about it. It, it, it. He agreed with me on that. You don't want to have to sit here and talk about, you know, getting the word out or anything like that, but you end up having to fight it. I, I'll give you two differing opinions. I'll tell you what, let me take a break. We'll come back uh, via X, social media, formerly Twitter, we have two different opinions on the way that the Colts handled the starting of the quarterback, or the non-starting, if you will, the quarterback on Saturday night. We'll do that with you next. The Ride with JMV. It's Jim Pimmer, now talk to him, damn it. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Hey, I feel really good, though, about this, even though I don't feel good for my friend. I can go back to hating the Cubs. That's awesome. 
after this weekend. Go back to my stand. And I just got like Mark Dykton, who produces the morning show, just sent out something. I think the Reds uh, ticket department uh, sent out social media, a, a tweet, an X or whatever about uh, tickets and ticket sales. And uh, at the end of it had postseason ticket sales. Hey, listen, I can sit here and be honest with you. I know they're not going to win anything. I know how bad they've looked. I understand that. I have June. I feel good about that. But if you're a member of that ticket office, you have to put that option on there because they're still in the running. I mean, they are in a race right now for a postseason position. So I just saw Mark tell Kevin Bowen to pump the brakes, and then I had to make sure that Mark understood that only dorks use the term pump the brakes. So you pump the brakes on using the term pumping the brakes. How about that? I'll be a dork right with you. But you have to put that stuff out. So I can go back, and Mark's a Cubs fan, and you know how Cubs fans are. So I can go back to hating you guys now. <laughs> Not as bad as the Cardinals, but I can go back to it. I don't have to force myself into it any longer. Feel good about that. I mentioned this before the break. Two different opinions regarding not being told that Anthony Richardson would not play prior to the start of the game Saturday night. This is from Rex. JMV, it's absolutely done purposely. Like you said, there was no reason to not say he was not starting. Actually, there's one reason. Added to the long list of Jim Mercy and the Colts hiding stuff and not being honest with the fans. That is what you don't want to have to face. And that has been a common conclusion. You don't want that. If you're the Colts, you've had to navigate your way through this for five plus years now. You don't want it. Now, on the other side, this is from Photon Bread, which is an outstanding name. I got tickets to the game knowing that since they scrimmaged, he wasn't going to play. Happened last year with Matt Ryan and the Lions, too. No. Um, Listen, it was common knowledge that everybody thought that he wasn't going to play. But he ran out there. He warmed up. I mean, and you could have made that announcement earlier. All I'm trying to do is keep them from putting themselves in situations that can become compromised that they have to explain their way out of. And what they'll do is they'll call me and say, can you explain this to people? This is what went down. And I'll be glad to do it. But what you want to do is think a couple of steps ahead. You're not trying to fool anybody. Nobody cares on the other side if Anthony Richardson is playing or not. I'm not trying to fool. I'm not trying to disguise it. It's not gamesmanship. All I'm trying to do is to help them Stop stubbing their toes with stuff. That's it. And not turn this into a big deal. That is all. That was my thought on on Saturday. And then, you know, once it became a reality, I thought, well, there's probably going to be a lot of people around here not happy with the decision. And then what that does is, like, somebody like Rex here, who has a definite opinion, will more believe his opinion. And then others that read that may say, oh, you know what? I think Rex does have a point here. And that's what you don't want. And that's why thinking about some of these decisions and how they're going to affect it a couple of steps further down the road is really important. 
Hey, listen, we can get down to the fact that, well, I mean, Matt Ryan, you know, so-called didn't need the snaps. <laughs> There's no doubt he didn't need any more snaps than he got during the regular season. I mean, we can make the argument that he needed to be out there just for the sake of taking some snaps. And I know that's been Bob Kravitz's argument. I know that Greg Doyle, the star, um, was angry about it. Like, I wouldn't go as far. I think Greg had a tweet that stated, you know what, if you're not going to play him at quarterback, just make him into a defensive lineman or whatever that was. I wouldn't go that far. Because, again, it sounds like that that was a plan that they had for Anthony Richardson. I would just I'd tell everybody, and you know what? When you tell everybody that, then they're automatically going to believe maybe the next time, right? Maybe the next time they're going to say, yeah, you know what? Last time they were open and honest with us. This time they're going to be open and honest. Gives you a little bit of street cred. Now, otherwise, you got to sift through this garbage and nobody wants to, and I don't blame them. But to think that somebody's not going to bring that up on a sports talk show or not going to bring that up on Twitter... I mean, it's ridiculous. Got to be thinking ahead. A couple of steps ahead right there. I think would have been the smart move had you played it that way. Hey, by the way, Cindy writes me this. Crush is the Bon Jovi experience. Went to high school with the lead singer. My man gets into it too, by the way. They're super hot right now playing everywhere. Love them. And I wore this T-shirt, this concert T-shirt from 87. When I saw him in Greenfield, yeah, it was the um, the Bon Jovi band that played in Touchdown Town on Saturday afternoon. They were great. They really were. I thought it sounded exactly like Bon Jovi. Loud. Put on a show. Nice. Really was. <laughs> Quick break and we'll come back. Top of the hour, Nate Adkins is with us. Yeah, I do. I feel bad for Tucker. I do. I was actually texting back and forth. I was doing the JMV takeover, and we were texting uh, texting back and forth regarding that. And you know, at that moment, and if you missed it, Tucker was um, uh, released basically by the Cubs. He was designated for assignment, and it hadn't really soaked into him yet. But when somebody, I think it was BT Do, called up and requested a song on Saturday night for him, I mean, he's still got a lot of people rooting for him around here. And it really does suck for him. Now, for me, it means I don't have to, like, play as if I like the Cubs any longer. That's good. That part is good. JMV, crap franchises make zero moves to the break. When they have a young, hungry team that can take the division, the general manager pumped the brakes first. Let me tell you this, Nicholas. This was all going to happen anyway. It was all going to happen anyway. What you're going through right now is going to happen. Putting all of your thoughts in the return of Green and Lodolo. You saw the return of Green yesterday, right? Uh, that was that was borderline batting practice. This was all going to happen anyway. They're not ready for that. They just gave you fleeting moments in the month of June that made you feel good and gave you thoughts of what if this can be sustained. I remember talking to Lance McAllister a number of times about this. Is there sustainability in this Reds team? And we both would always come to the conclusion that not likely. That's being real. And the ticket office has to put out because you're still in a race. You're still on the running. They have to put out 
options just in case you end up getting yourself in the postseason. That doesn't mean anything. It's not meaning nobody's calling their shot. That's just some nerd in the ticket office that tweeted something out. Nobody's calling their shot on that. Silly. But if you're a Reds fan and you've watched this team for years, for decades, you saw this coming. Hey, JMV, I pegged you as a guy who would use Yutz or Buffoon. No, I go with Dork. Dork is my Aaron Dork is mine. Nah, Yutz, Buffoon, nah. Like, Buffoon, you try to act like you're too smart. Yutz has just never occurred to me. Dork is where I go. Dork, nerd. And then sometimes worse. But Dork's my go-to. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you for listening. I believe Aaron listens out of state. Aaron, you in Missouri? I believe listening on the app. Wherever you are out of state, thank you very much. Nate Atkins of the Star, top of the hour, Stephen Holder, and the head coach of the Boilermakers in year number one, Ryan Walters, earlier. The podcast with each, 1075thefan.com. I don't want you to go anywhere. Some of what they're saying inside the lounge via YouTube Live. That is coming up next, 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Rodrigo Blankenship cut by the Bucks this afternoon. Missed a couple of kicks against the Jets. And uh, a familiar name for you, Chase McLaughlin, has locked up the kicking duties down in Tampa for the Buccaneers. That according to Field Yates right there. Hey, JMV, well, if they do make it, we're going to be one of the damn games. Who knows when they're back, hopefully with the youth soon, but I've seen this movie before. Yeah, regarding the the Reds, no doubt. It could be forever. That's why I I embrace with that team the little things. And that's why I always caution you. Let me take that back. I caution... The Colts have cautioned the Pacers equally not to go down that type of path. Because you just go away, you fade away, it doesn't become as important to you. And man, that month of June fired you up. Everybody got excited. <laughs> Look who's back, dude. What's up, man? Good to see you. But, yeah, you could tell. It was fun, though. It was. Like, this weekend wasn't very fun watching them. Now, yesterday wasn't fun watching Hunter Green pitch. But you knew that was coming. There's no question about that. Uh, Josh says, fantasy question for you here. The quarterback, would you take Aaron Rodgers or Anthony Richardson? I I would. It would be tough not to go with Rodgers just because of the volume. I, I know what you're thinking regarding Richardson can do so much, and if they're going to score, it's probably going to be led by him. But uh, you would have to suggest that there are going to be a number of mistakes that are going to be costly for you. So, yeah, probably not. I'd probably go with the standby, even though I know a lot of you are rooting against that. Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. Uh, 10 until noon nationally on ESPN radio will be unlistenable. It would be anyway, probably, right? But it will be major unlistenable if they do anything or if they're what everybody expects with Aaron Rodgers there. Hey, JMV, your Reds are getting a full day and a night's worth of rest, relaxation, and fun in Newport Beach. Yeah, but I think they're underwater, right? Yeah, I know we're talking about, you know, Anaheim and Orange County here, but those pictures. 
those pictures in and around. I'm assuming those are real, right? The pictures of Chavez Ravine, Dodger Stadium with the with the water. Are those pictures real, Chavez Ravine? I think. Oh yeah. I don't know. Oh look at you rocking. Is that Jonathan Taylor jersey right there? Got to wear it. While Is that some kind of protest you have here in in the studio? Got to wear it still while he's still here. Man, that's tough on you. How much was that? Oh, I mean, you don't know how much it is. It, was a it probably was it over a hundred bucks. I don't know. It was probably, a gift. huh? It was a gift. Okay. Well, I didn't know if it was. All, I'm just, I'm know. just saying how much it would cost if you no longer could wear that because he's someplace else. Probably fifty bucks. Ah, it's more than fifty bucks. Come on, man. I can get five. I can get five V-neck Dollar General store quality T-shirts for fifty bucks right there. Come on, brother. Yeah, the old 28. The 28 jerseys and the 28 on the side of the building. See how long-lasting that is going to be. Hey, JMV, I saw the picture of the snake in your backyard. That thing is harmless. You don't hurt it, do you? Of course not. It's lived in my backyard for three years. Like Alexa Ross... Uh, over at 59 and CBS 4 said, what the hell are you doing? I'm letting that thing go after the varmints. Get a couple of moles or something. My man actually watched me mow. He was very entertaining. <laughs> He's about four feet long. And he just hung out. He said, hey, man, I'm going to wait until you're done mowing. And then I'm going to come back out and see what other stuff I can get in the buffet that you have in your backyard. Thank you. You know, that's where I grew up. Where I grew up, you don't mess with it. I'm just, I, I let things, I let things live. What's that guy going to do? Harmless snake in the backyard. He's not hurting me, not hurting anybody. I've never really understood when somebody, oh, I'm so scared. I better get up. Yeah, the garden hoe <laughs> after it. Nah. Nah. Let it go. Takes care of a lot of the varmints around the yard. That's good. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Uh, Dave Atkins, top of the hour. We'll do that a little bit more. Look ahead to Philadelphia and what to expect with the Colts and Philly. Final preseason matchup coming up later on this week. Of course, we're going to have you covered with all that and more. And going to be a busy, short week for you. Ryan Walters, the head coach of the Boilermakers. First time on this show a little bit early. If you missed it, podcast 1075thefan.com. Boilermaker fans, get you set for a season that begins in over a week. So next week, that'll be the lead-up to Fresno State in West Lafayette. About that. Ryan Walters podcast, 1075thefan.com. Back with you next. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on. Yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah. Amazon Prime on Thursday, I believe, right? Only Amazon Prime. You know, I don't have Amazon Prime. Anybody else in my situation right here? Uh, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, last hour. Ryan Walters, the head coach of the Boilermakers, back in the 3 o'clock hour podcast with both 107.5thefan.com. We've got Hoosier Hardwood Festival tickets to give away. So if I haven't signed up for Amazon Prime, then I could probably get something free out of it. So how much information, how long is it going to take me to sign up? I, I, I get so sick and tired of signing up for crap. It drives me. I mean, it's nuts. It takes forever I to mean, do everything. I mean, I would assume they need your like name, address, payment information, stuff like that. But I would assume you can get like at least a free week or two out of it. Amazon Prime. 
Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from the star. Nate Atkins joins us. Uh, all right, help a brother out here. Amazon Prime, I have not previously signed up for that. Will I get something free out of it if I sign up for it? Because I believe that's the only place to watch the Colts, right, against the Eagles? Uh, it's a little hard for me to answer because the only way I'm going to watch them is by going in person. So, oh, well. Uh, well, I could do here. that. Well, I could do that. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Don't do that. Don't spend money to go watch them in person. Please don't do that. Look for it free. By all means, do not pay to go to preseason game. Yeah, no doubt. Got it. Uh... Got to zone in a little bit, though. There's uh, no question about it. I, so, how much are we going to see out of the rookie quarterback in Philly? What do you think? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, Shane Steichen made it sound like after uh, the last game against the Bears that they, we would see them uh, because, you know, obviously Anthony didn't play against the Bears. Uh, the reason being that he had two joint practices that week, this week. They just had the one joint practice, so I guess – uh, by the math that Shane's going by that's, you know, looking for two days of work. That'd be this Tuesday practice tomorrow and then uh, Thursday for the game. So that's my understanding of it, but I guess we may find out some more from him tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully so. That, that'd be nice, definitely, too. I, I, you wonder where they are, right, as far as, you know, getting acclimated. Were you one in the corner of needing to see anything from Richardson on Saturday, or were you okay with a decision they ended up making? Uh, I don't know that's the biggest deal at the end of the day. I, I thought he could have played, you know, a series or two. Certainly, you know, if they weren't going to announce that he was not going to play, I thought it was kind of a moment for them to introduce their new starting quarterback to the fan base, even though it is just a preseason game. But there was a good amount of people there. And to be honest with you, even though he got two days of practices against the Bears, the first day was, you know, he attempted like 19 passes. The second day, he only attempted six, and he completed two, and one was a swing pass to Deion Jackson. So I just didn't feel like he got very much out of the second game. Granted, they were wor- – or second practice. Granted, they were working a lot of run concepts then. But, I mean, the main thing they're trying to develop in him right now is – just the consistency of the mechanics, the drop-back passing. So I would like to see a little bit more from him than we got in that second practice. But I also understand that uh, they are trying to, you know, now that they named him the starter officially, he's now even more of an asset to them. And when you have two starting offensive linemen out with what we've seen from the second-team offensive line, I can understand why the coaching staff Maybe he wanted to play a little safe with him. So I think he could have gone either way with it. So do you think that maybe that decision was more on the old linemen that were going to be missing there is the fact that they went, you know, second team-wise as much as they did? Do you think that that was one of the big calls and one of the big reasons why? Because I would agree with you. You know, I, I could go even further, and I have so far today, about why you would put him out there for a series, you know, give him a couple of different reps there, and certainly tell the fans before you walk in there that he's not going to be participating. But you think it was more about the offensive line not being intact is maybe one of the reasons why they decided to pull the plug? on it it's hard to know for sure but i will say that the second that they had two offensive linemen out well ryan kelly missed both days but once wolf Ryan was out and it was two linemen down uh it just felt like a dramatic shift from how they called the practice for him in the first session versus the second one with the second one like i said six attempts granted 
it was really nine attempts. Three were called back on penalty, but very, very short dropbacks, very safe passes, a lot of run plays. It, it looked like a team that didn't want to expose its quarterback to risk. So it's hard to know. That's the type of thing where if that was the reason, obviously the coaching staff isn't going to come out and say we don't like our, our the lineman that we're playing with. So we're, we're left to kind of guess here, but I have to imagine that played into it because it ultimately came down to this idea of uh, the wear and tear on the players, which you understand for some of the other starters, those practices were physical, especially on the lines. For a quarterback in a non-contact jersey, they weren't. It's just more the risk that you're going to put him out there in uh, in that second game. And so I, I have to imagine that was at least a factor. So Nate Atkins of the Star covers the Colts. He'll be in Philly. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Who has the best opportunity in your eyes to take the place of Ashton Doolin on this team? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I feel like they it's, it might start to go the way of the guys they signed recently. James Washington it just showed up a few days ago and had the big catch uh, against the Bears uh, the other night. Uh, you know, Brashad Perriman, another guy that they signed who is two of these players who have a very limited sort of skill set as far as what they've put out there for the league. But but it's a good skill. That's getting down. Very obvious on the perimeter, at least, I would say, kind of the Z position. You've got Michael Pittman at the X, and so he's – you know, he caught 99 passes a year ago. I think he's going to be still plenty, plenty of a volume receiver. But the spot where Alec Pierce is in and then guys that they bring in on the outside behind him, I think are very much going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, nine routes, posts, down the field routes, off play action, where they hope that the idea being Anthony Richardson, his mobility and the threat of that pulls that extra safety down into the box so that you have a single safety in the middle of the field leaving uh, the space out there between the numbers and the, and the sidelines for guys who can really hit it at high velocity. And so that's Alex Pierce. And then right now, skill set-wise, that's James Washington and Rashad Perriman. And it was Ashton Doolin, too, before he went down. So I have to think that if you rate the kind of moves that they've made since they brought in Shane Sykes and the type of receivers they've added, it's been those guys that really excel going deep down the field. And that's... I think it's it, it's kind of a toss-up between those two where uh, both both fairly established, but both have had their injury histories too. So kind of who can stay healthy and produce the most this uh, preseason may win out and get that final one. And then obviously Mike Strawn is in that too. He's He's been a little bit more of a sort of, I don't want to say possession receiver, but like a contested catch guy in moments. I mean, he can, he can get down the field, but not maybe quite as, he hasn't produced and proven it the way those other two have. So, uh, kind of, I, I kind of look at it as a three-man competition right there. Uh, what's the latest on the health of Shaquille Leonard presently, Nate? Shaquille Leonard is currently in the concussion protocol. We found that out after the game against the Bears. Uh, apparently, he he suffered a brain injury against the the Bears in the Wednesday practice and missed uh, missed the next one. And so, uh, so really, we have to wait till he crosses through that. I know the first. One of the early, it's a five-step process, and so one of the very early stages is uh, just being able to be back around the team in team settings. And he wasn't out there, uh, you know, at the game or in the locker room. So that meant at that stage on Saturday night, he was still pretty early 
in that process. And I would emphasize this is his third time going through this protocol. So um, it could get harder. It's all unpredictable. Everyone's a little different. No doubt. But that's that's certainly where it's at. As, as far as we know, it's not it's not related to the back or the ankle or any of that. It's just a concussion protocol deal. And, um, and those time frames, they, they just always you know, did, vary. Did you happen to see the play in which that occurred? I'm not sure which play that occurred on. Yeah, I didn't either. So I just cursed. Uh, Nate Atkins of the Star with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. If you're looking at this team as a whole right now and maybe some of these non-recognizable roster names to this point, maybe a couple that you have seen that you believe have made strides to make this thing interesting here down the stretch before cutdown. Uh, yeah, I mean, we just talked about one. I think James Washington, I never saw him kind of jumping into this thing. Uh, but right now, that mix of his skill set and what he's proven in the league and then what they don't have an Ashton doing, I feel like he's an easy answer. Uh, I feel like another guy I just did not really know him much about at all was Arlington Hambright, who has been their second-team tackle, who's also been their second-team guard when they needed to go there. Uh, teams love versatility on the line, especially in the backup spots, so you don't have to carry too many on game day. And really, when you know when they went to the second-team line, that was against Buffalo, so that second-team line got a lot of heat, and deservedly so. They did not play well. But the guy I thought that played the best was Arlington Hambright. Now, that wasn't quite I don't know that he was quite as strong moving inside uh, against the Bears, but again, it's it's being able to do enough of a couple different things on the backup line that uh, that can kind of give you a chance. So, uh, so those guys those guys are kind of jumping out to me. I'm I'm trying to think on, on defense that hasn't. You know, I would have said Jannard Avery. Unfortunately, they just lost him. He was really set up, I thought, to be uh, that backup Leo spot behind Samson Ebukam, and then in his absence. Uh, Titus Leo, the the rookie uh, they drafted in the seventh round, he stepped in against the Bears and he he had, a, he had a nice game. It was the first time I'd really seen him kind of assert himself in that setting. So uh, that's a guy that I thought you know they they drafted twelve rookies and if they want to keep them all they can, but it's you know it's the guys are going to have to earn their way uh, with that many rookies trying to earn spots. But I that that was certainly a step forward, especially. Uh, with Jannard Avery going down, they need a backup Leo. Uh, that Leo spot really is what makes the Gus Bradley defense go. It's the idea that uh, this that one pass rusher can can run as if it's third and ten every single snap, and you sort of insulate him around you know with with these big run stuffers and other run centric players. So you've got Zaire Franklin, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, uh, and Quiddy Pay. Those are those are guys you trust in the run game. So you need just high level athletes in the Leo spot. And, uh, Titus Leo, uh, you know, he's, he's had such a fascinating career playing a few different positions on defense, but but really starting to finally for once lock into actually being a Leo like his name suggests. And I thought uh, he, he finally flashed against the Bears, and it, it's an important role to have, uh, especially if anything were to happen to Samson Ebukam. And even if it doesn't, uh, you know, Quiddy Pay has slimmed down a little bit. He's dropped to about 264. So he can certainly do some of the wide nine stuff, but I still think in an ideal world, you want to keep him starting uh, you know, on the side of the tight end and, and bring in some kind of pure athlete to run that Leo spot. So uh, I think Titus Leo has a chance there. Hey, Nate, we were talking about Ashton Doolin a little bit earlier, and I put it early on the show in terms of last year when 
they lose Sanchez, and people say, well, it's just a punter, replace the punter. And we talked about this right here, saying, hey, he was somebody that was a constant. You could count on him. You didn't have to worry about him. That's a big deal. And then punting-wise, oftentimes you did end up worrying about that a year ago. And Ashton Doolin is the same way. And we talk about it in terms of a backup wide receiver because that is something that, that gets more press. But being a special teams ace on this squad, you don't know what you got until it's gone. And that's my concern with that group once the regular season is underway. You agree? Yeah, I do, because, you know, it's. I, I don't know that we've talked enough about the loss of Bubba Ventrone uh, for the special team. No team. question he's, about he's it. That's it. a good point, yeah. Yeah, he's he's done it so long here, and every year they've just found ways to, uh, to really be a great directional punt team outside of last year. Obviously, they did not have Rigoberto Sanchez, but the key, it's the mix between Sanchez's ability to really uh, pin the ball, and then guys like Ashton Doolin being able to beat the press so quickly and fly down the field. And so they've got talent on the special, you know, at least in the kick game for sure. They went out and signed Matt Gay, and uh, they bring Rigoberto Sanchez back. But there is just enough change happening with a new special teams coordinator. Then you lose your top gunner, and it's like for a team that, that has been so good at directional punting, now you're trying to kind of bring younger players along with a new coordinator. Uh so that'll be interesting. I mean, Brian Mason, you know, he, he hasn't coached the NFL yet, so it's a little bit of a wild card. He comes from Notre Dame where they did a, a phenomenal job, you know, getting after punts and blocking kicks and punts. But I think the area where they – it's just bound to be a drop-off because Bubba's group was so good at it was was that punting game. And so you just – there's just enough sort of, sort of uncertainty between a punter coming back off an Achilles tear – Losing the top gunner, losing the special teams coordinator is a pretty in the weeds subject, but someone's going to have to step up there. Although I will say I was impressed uh, in a few snaps for Jalen Jones, the uh, seventh round quarterback they drafted out of Texas A&M, who's really had a nice uh, training camp. I should have mentioned him in one of the surprise players because I've liked how he's played at corner. But I noticed him on Saturday taking one of those gunner spots and really doing a nice job. He's he's a phenomenal athlete, former five star recruit out of high school uh, who's physical too so we'll see it was just it was just one flash it's new to him you can't expect any rookie to just step in and do the things Ashton Doolin did because he's an all pro just a couple years ago and a very established player at it but that would be the guy I would look to to try and somewhat fill the void. Yeah, that's just a, so problematic. Such a bummer right there, too. And it's, again, something maybe people don't recognize as much as other positions. That being said, it will have a, a level of importance and an effect on this group, um, certainly as well. Um, any expected movement? And I asked Stephen Holder this a little bit earlier, and I'll ask you the same thing. As far as Jonathan Taylor is concerned, when, when is there the, the falling off the cliff type of moment before the start of the regular season to where, I mean, everything is really compromised here. When, when, when is there need to be, if there is going to be playing on this team moving forward here this season for Jonathan Taylor, when does there need to be a, a solution of sorts made? Well, I think the clock's going to really start ticking as soon as we get right near September 10th, which is the opener. And that's just because, at that point, there is something actually on the line. Not only, you know, not only games accrued for Jonathan and, and all of that, but really just what it starts to mean to the locker room to not have uh, one of the best players on the team out there. You know, so far they've been able to massage it enough as 
you know, being related to the injury and just being precautious. And, you know, Jonathan's back with the team. He's, he's Jane Steichen said yesterday he's going to be here in Philadelphia. I'll be surprised if he practices. Just the idea that he's going to, if he does come back, the first practice back being a joint practice, I don't see happening. So there's been enough moments like that where they could say, you know, it's not the time, it's not the time. When you get into the regular season and all of a sudden, you know, there are games on the line, there's games to win, and this is a team that for years has started slow and tried to find ways to correct that. And, you know, they, they're going to want to start the best way they can right now, and especially now that they've named Anthony Richardson the starter, they know it's they know there's going to be a sort of learning curve to that, bringing him out here as a 21-year-old. The whole idea is, you know, get him reps, get him experience, live with some of the growing pains. But within that, you want to be able to – support him the best way you can and you you ideally what you would like to do is start him off with a somewhat easier job and then throughout the year maybe in the second half of the year maybe you know you can build on some things in the past game and have him come along if you don't have Jonathan Taylor at the start of that though it's like the reverse of it where it I think between Jonathan Taylor not being out there and, and any risk of injury along the offensive line there's a world where this gets really heavy on the rookie really, really quickly. So it's just going to kind of depend on how it quite plays out. You know, if they were to go out there and win week one, if it's just a matter of they say he's just not quite ready, but they go out and they play well anyway, you know, people will kind of gloss over it. But soon enough here, teammates are going to start really wondering. And, and I mean, and, and for good reason, we're wondering the same way how, you know, an ankle injury from last season that he had surgery on in January be so you know so severe that he's not able to play come the regular season that's where it starts to get very uh very clear that there's or likely that there's more going on than just an ankle injury when you also know he wants to be traded and you know so that gets to the point where at what point do they as the colts come out and say you know what jonathan we we need to see you out there and you know they floated the idea of uh, to, to Stephen Holder and, and Mike Chappell about putting him on the non-football injury list. That doesn't sound – we haven't heard anything about that in weeks. So I don't assume – I don't think they even can at this point. You can't – it's hard to go back in time and say, you know, he had this injury non-football before training camp that we're going to try and put him on the list for. That I don't think they can do that. But it was a little window into the idea that at some point they may have to say, you know what, it's time to get practicing, it's time to get playing – and that's that's where it could start to get hairy. And that's where certainly if he's either <laughs> this is where they really need some kind of resolution, just some kind of either timeline for a negotiation or adjustment to the contract or something. Because what you really don't want is a situation where a team saying you need to get out there and practice, a player saying I'm not healthy or they're risking my health, and then you're letting teammates decide which which one of those two they want to agree with. Well, they have a first-year head coach and a rookie quarterback trying to win them all together to start a season. So uh, I don't know what the what the moment is where it gets really chaotic, but I, I don't think we're that far from it. When uh, I think it was Shane Steichen, right, that said they're waiting on him to be medically cleared. Is that correct? Yeah, that's he stood on that where he said. Yeah, what, what, what do you think? What do you think? That's I mean, who 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 needs to clear him medically? Because I've said this all along. I could be wrong, and I and I guess I will be, and I'll have to answer to it at some point if I am wrong. But I I view this more of a a hold in than anything else. But why why is the term medically cleared being used here? There's got to be some reason behind it, I guess. Uh, if if it's not medical, as some of us think it isn't. 
Well, so Jonathan showed up the first day, the day the day he went on the PUP list. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the day he took his physical. And the way these go, though, is the team can pass or fail a physical kind of however it wants. The, those physicals are up to what the team decides the player's capable of doing. And, you know, it doesn't always go with – sometimes those two sides don't always agree. That's sometimes where you see a, a player will go get a second opinion when they don't like what the team doctor had to say. Uh, but it does show you that the team is so far going along with this. They, they've been the ones consistently saying, uh, you know, he's not medically clear. They put him on the uh, PUP list for the ankle related to last season, not any new injury. So they've, they've been able to stand with him saying he's not healthy for this. Whether that's, you know, how much that's because he's not healthy, how much that's just recognizing the, the difficulties of a, the contract demands and trade demands and not wanting to push this into a nuclear spot by making him practice. I don't know. That's where I think the with the games come are going to be more of the real test because right now they can at least, wherever the Colts stand on this, they can at least kind of see, you know, if they're going to hold Anthony Richardson out of a preseason game for risk, you can see why they may not fight, you know, holding their start running back out of training camp, out of the physical wear and tear there and the risk there. Uh, but at some point they need him, obviously. So uh, that's why, you know, th- th- there is enough going on with the ankle to where he, he is on that PUP list. Uh, you know, he's been going out elsewhere to rehab at times. But um, <laughs> that's also it- it's also an easy way to say, you know, that's what's going on, and it's not uglier than that when it, for all we know, it could be. How do you think this has all been handled so far? Both sides. Uh, not the best. You know, it's, uh, you know, Chris Ballard came out the first day we talked and said, you know, I don't talk about contracts, that's closed-door stuff. And then just a couple of days later, it stopped being closed-door stuff because, you know, the owner wanted to tweet about the CBA. And I understand Jim Mercy has come back and said, you know, he was talking generally about, you know, sort of the future. Of yeah, the it, was, it was more about the Steelers guy that people were referencing he was talking about. But, yeah, that doesn't matter right. because that's going to land on your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, right. And there's two things here. Number one, Jonathan in a year from now is eligible for that franchise tag. So to act like that's not at all in the consideration, uh, I just don't know how anyone's going to believe that. And second of all, even if it's not, even if we gave him the most generous interpretation like he has a running back that wants a new contract and his agent clearly thought it was about him. So his agent came back and said, you know, responded to his comment about bad faith. And that's where I don't, you know, that's, that's where you could add some blame on their side too. Is that, is it the smartest thing for the agent of a player asking an owner to pay his player to then tweet at the owner on social media and call him out and say, you know, the relationship's broken. That's not really a way to get them to do what you want them to do either. Uh, you know, and then Chris Ballard's been kind of caught, and Shane Steichen have been kind of caught in the crosshairs of that, where they wanted this to just be sort of a private situation and focus on, uh, you know, the guys who can be out there right now. But it's becoming such a situation where they have to deal with it or they have to deal with the awkwardness of him not being out there. And I don't know that that's been the best either. You know, Chris Ballard has chosen not to talk outside of one interview with uh, Sirius XM where he – kind of said that Jonathan needs to get healthy. Shane Steichen has been very uncomfortable talking about it, but has gone from saying he won't talk about it at all to then he had to talk about it because 
Jonathan all of a sudden wasn't at the facility anymore, and they did not know he was not going to be at the facility anymore. So, like, you have all these people in these important positions who are just kind of trying to read each other and not knowing how the other one's going to react. And at the end of the day, it's just that they're so far apart on what they think the other should do. You know, Jonathan obviously wants that contract. He doesn't want to get out there. Really, the crux of it is that he doesn't want to get out there until he has some security coming his way. The Colts are saying, we don't want to pay that security until we can see you out there and know that you're back and healthy. And I just, it's hard to figure out what the compromise is, which is why so far there's been no compromise. And they're not on the same page at all. Yeah, it just, it seems, I've said this all along. The word I use is silly. This is all really silly to me. So, where we are. Anyway. We'll see what happens in the days, if not weeks, to come. Nate Atkins with us from the Indianapolis Star via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Safe travels to Philly. Enjoy the practices and the game, and uh, we'll catch up with you sometime afterwards, man. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Hope you can uh, find some stream to watch the yeah, game. Yeah, I know it. I'm telling you. All that stuff's tough for me, man. It's way too much to fill out. I don't like filling out stuff. Lengthy. So, appreciate you, Nate. Thank you very much. Nate Atkins of the Star and the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I don't like filling out stuff. Anybody else? I mean, all the drop-down screen and all that. Anybody here that I've ever worked with would tell you the same thing. I loathe having to fill that stuff out. Mm. Uh, Anyway, yeah, Amazon Prime... If you want to watch it, Ryan Walter, Stephen Holder, Nate Atkins podcast, 107.5thefan.com. You know what? I got time for you guys right now. Want to load up some phones here? Do some final 30, 239, 1070 about this weekend. Anything that went on, whether it's Colts, rest of the NFL, little baseball, we can do team USA, Germany. We can do that. Yeah. I brought up winning time last night on HBO second season of that series and there was a lot about Larry Bird a lot of French Lick a lot of Terre Haute stuff going on it was pretty good jeans and work boots he played in and lit up, lit up everybody over at Indiana State back then at least that's how the story went good stuff and stuff to win here too who's your Hardwood Fest tickets before the top of the hour 239-1070 your calls me and you coming up other side next the Ride with JMV. Ahoy, Ploy. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Well, we got time to work you guys in at 239-1070 if you so desire. A big day of Colts conversation coming off that win on Saturday over the Bears and preseason game two. Philly coming up later on this week. Of course, we'll have it for you right here. Amazon Prime is your destination. If you want to watch it, I'm assuming, did you guys get to watch it here locally on the NFL network? Cause I was in, I was in studio doing the JMV takeover and you know, it was, I can't remember if it was on 59. I think it was 59. Did anybody watch it on the NFL network? The reason why I ask is you know, my mom down in GC has direct TV and was trying to watch it on the NFL network and it was blacked out on the NFL network. Yeah, she's got the similar issues that you do around here if you have direct TV because Next Star is right now 
in a contractual squabble with AT&T and DirecTV. Thus, you're not getting CBS 4 and Fox 59 here locally. And the same holds true, I think. One is the NBC affiliate in the TH. That's WTWO-TV Farmersburg off of US 41 in Terre Haute. And the other may be, I think it is the ABC affiliate. Back in my day, that used to be Channel 38. But uh, I believe that is also owned by Nexstar. So it was completely blacked out uh, for her on direct, or check that, on NFL Network on Saturday. But in studio, I don't know what they have, Xfinity maybe here in the studios in the building. So that's how I watched it on Saturday. Uh, Jim McCann in Southern California writes this. It's possible that Christie may have signed up as a prime member to get discounts on Amazon orders. If not, here is one way to sign up for a free trial. Thank you, Jim McCann. I appreciate that. Need a free trial. See, that's the other thing, too. You got to sign up for everything and you have to have a password for everything. Anybody write their passwords down just in like a book and keep them? Or do you just have basically the same password for everything? I'm all over the map with passwords, and they're all over the map with me. Don't get me wrong. All over the place with that. Hey, JMV, I'm lucky enough to get Fox 59. I watched you and Hagen get things done last night. Uh, this is from Ken. JMV, I assume you burned down your house and all your property. Why are you guys so afraid of like a snake? Like This is like what, a rat snake, a, a black snake, rat snake? Why are you guys afraid of that? I'm not going to do anything to you. I'm going to keep rodents away from my house is what it's going to do. Odd that everybody's so afraid of that. Like, I'm not a, a rep guy i don't i wouldn't want a pet snake or anything like that but i mean hell if it's gonna roam around my house protect the perimeter from field mice and get in a mole hole and knock a couple nine of those out i'm good i've always been that way though like i'm on facebook right now with people i grew up with and all these hillbillies down there going oh man i wouldn't have that in my yard well, i guarantee you what here numb nuts you do right now because you live in the country I don't want one of those in my yard. It's from Corbin. JMV, what's your hot take on nipple? Ni- <laughs> Sorry. Almost made a mistake right there, but it would have been hilarious. What's your hot take on Nickelback? Yay or nay? Me and the wife are going back and forth. You know, I used to make fun of it, and here's where I am now. And I don't know if that's just because of the JMV takeover. I think you like what you like, and if you enjoy a live show, if you enjoy somebody's live music, then do it. I never was the biggest of Nickelback fans. I never was, obviously, a huge fan of Meatloaf. We all have our preferences. But, you know, in terms of just being happy, that's it. No, Tony, my hot take was not on nips, all right? See, Jason, I'd take the, the owl to me. The owl will go out there and get your cat probably, right? Jason's got an owl in the backyard. Like, the owl's going to get your cat. I'm not worried about – and then Zeke doesn't run outside anyway. He's scared. 
stays in the house and being fat. Thanks a lot, Laney. Uh, Jonathan at 239-1070. Welcome to the show. Hello, Jonathan. Hi, thank you, JMV. Um, I was thinking the wide receiver room looks pretty complicated with dueling out. I was thinking uh, Harriman kind of built like him. He would make a good gunner, and that might be enough to help him make the team. I, but I don't – as much as I like Rodgers, uh, he's another little guy, and they already have two little guys. I, I know McKenzie and Downs are going to make the squad. So I think that the little slot dudes are kind of taken, you know, like earth set. Um, yeah, I, I I think that I I think maybe James Washington has a decent shot to make this team. And I know you're going to say, well, he's only been here less than a week, and you're going by that game on Saturday. But I think they they want somebody as well that you can trust, and he's a guy that has a resume in the NFL that you can trust. So at what, this point, I think uh, he has as good a shot as anybody else. I'm a little bit familiar, though, because of, uh, you know, fantasy football's genius because right. it exposes you to so many different kinds the, of players. No doubt about that. Yeah, that's what that's what people that make fun of us don't truly understand. Yes. He's, he's not a very big dude, though. I, I was just thinking who takes that special team's role. But anyway, I don't – I think that Pittman might actually be best in the slot because he's good at all those short crossovers and intermediate stuff. And it's, it would look weird, but Downs probably belongs on the outside because he's so much faster than Pittman. But that's just a, a thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I'm thinking right now. That's, I, I, I just I, I think that, like, when, when you bring Washington in here, I think that's who, to me, you're kind of looking for that. I think you're kind of looking for that, that stability uh, in that wide receiving room. You know, maybe not a starter, but somebody can come in and you can count on if it's, you know, in the vicinity catching it. So that, that was my thought. And then he did some work on Saturday, too. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, he'd probably help out. Oh, I got one Lou Brown moment for you. No, oh, please. I'll let you go. Yes. Okay. You guys can win this year just despite Ballard. Maybe he's just what we need. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Shout out to Lou Brown. That's on like every day in Major League. James oh, Gammon. Yeah. James Gammon, the late actor. Just a great. He was a great character actor back then, and that's that to me is probably his best work. Yeah, I just don't want to watch it too much. I was like eight when it came out, the sequel, and um, I don't want to watch it so much that I hate it. Yeah, well, the, the, the sequel sucks. Don't don't go with the sequel. Yeah, the original's legit. It always oh, will really? be. I like the I like the sequel better. They just eliminated the cussing, and it's less realistic. Ah, so let me get let me get that blank on the phone. <laughs> I'm too old to go jumping in lockers. So yeah, she was squint she was squinting when he was standing there naked in front of her. <laughs> Jonathan, thank you. I love a little major league conversation right there. It's outstanding. That's funny. She squinted. <laughs> That's a bummer right there. Squinting. Hey, John's next to two three nine ten seventy. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan V. What's going on, man? How you doing, John? Good. I, I just had a couple things. Yes. One, uh, preseason doesn't mean anything except for the guys trying to make the team. I think we all would agree with that, right? Yeah, and you want you. I mean, when your guys are out there, like when your ones are out there, you want to see your ones. You you want to see your guys have moments. You know, moments that will satisfy you. But, yeah, as far as the final score is concerned, there's no doubt. All right. And the second thing about the uh, 
uh, the direct TV. Uh, so we went to a local bar to get some dinner and watch the game and talked to the proprietor there, and he was really freaking out because the fourth day of direct TV and everybody came in to watch the game. <laughs> and then they realized it was blacked out, and he of course, the NFL is going to black the network's going to block it out because it's local. And uh, so these bars, uh, I talked to another couple of guys, and these guys who own bars are depending on that, on that you know, that cold uh, scan being shown so they can bring business in. So I just want you to think about that. And I appreciate you. Have a good day. Hey, thank you very much. It's tough. I give you a great example, and it's different because they have no network affiliation, but Wish TV went off direct TV like three years ago and never came back. I think they have a lawsuit regarding that right now, too. Never came back. But it's different because they have no network affiliation. But this thing, this thing is going to hit big if there is no solution, no conclusion to this at the start of the football season because both CBS and Fox, you know, there's your Colts games right there. Well, there's football in general around here right there. So that's a big deal. I remember 13 went one Sunday night, or I want to say they played the Seahawks, and they were in a squabble with DirecTV, and DirecTV didn't have that. I think the next week it was back on, but, man, that is, that's a tough situation. You put yourself in a bad light, and that's what all these negotiations are about. But it can certainly be a pain. There's no mistake about that. See, this is from Greg, and I'm getting a lot of this. Uh, I've been with, oh, let me see. There it is. I've been a DirecTV customer since 1999. I've been with DirecTV that long, too. This weekend, I dropped them and signed up for Hulu Live. I'll actually get to watch the Colts and save about $1,000 a year. See, that's the other thing, too. And I, I, you guys are all smart for doing that, and I'm I'm the dumb one because I'm the one that's paying. It is ridiculous how much I pay, and just to make it easy. And now they don't make it easy for you. That's problematic, and both ends are going to suffer. But you're talking about right there. Greg has been with Directv since 1999. So have I. So have I. And really, even longer. My my mom had had that. I want to say back in the mid-90s. You know, once you stop buying, if you had a big satellite dish in the country, once you stop buying a descrambler, or once they became so ineffective that you no longer could use them, you know, you, ha- you had to go. Once the product, DirecTV, the product was, was made available, you went to that. Yeah, a lot of people are doing it. All right, quick break. We'll come back. If you're on hold, I'll get to you before the end of the show. Who's your hardwood tickets? That festival is coming up. Boone County Fairgrounds. Somebody's going to get a chance to win those tickets on the other side. And tomorrow's show as well in studio. Remember, got our tavern tour stop later on this week. I'll remind you of where that location is coming up next. The Ride with JMV. The Sportos, Motorheads, Geeks, Sluts, Bloods, Wastoids, Dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, who wants to go to the Hoosier Hardwood Festival? 
I think that's a hell of an idea. Number nine is going to go on us. Boone County Fairgrounds for that. Lots of chainsaws, chainsaw carving, a lot of woodworking being done right there. If you want to go, number nine is going to go for free via us at 239-1070. The Hoosier Hardwood Festival. My man Billy Searing sent me this. It is called Last Pass. Fewer passwords, less friction. Billy, whom I trust a great deal, informs me this is a life changer. I need a good, solid life changer right here, Billy. So it is called Last Pass. Mm, Whining about passwords. Thank you, Billy, for that. That's a good idea. I am all for making something easier. Hey, JMV, that Bon Jovi cover band you were talking about a little bit earlier is right here. It is Crush Bon Jovi Experience, the band Crush. That's who played in Touchdown Town. They were really good, too. Goreman was all whining about how loud they were and stuff. Now, they were really good. Now, I think they played a couple of songs twice. I think they played Lay Your Hands on Me a couple of times. But they were a good, solid-sounding group. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. JMV, you make fun of Cubs fans because they're outrageous, but Reds fans whine. Yeah, I know that to be true. Yeah, I don't have to say anything nice about the Cubs anymore. And I hate that for our friend, but at least I don't have to say anything nice about the Cubs anymore. They'll wear you out. (laughs) Yeah, you just knew. If you're a Reds fan, you knew. You knew that it was coming. Hey, JMV, does the blackout affect the direct TV stream? I believe that it does. I believe what you're missing out on is, correct me if I'm wrong, GG here, but DirecTV, the DirecTV stream, and UVerse. Jason chimes in with this. The best part of Major League is when Lou gets annoyed that Charlie is offering him the manager position. He had a customer on hold about a pair of white walls, if you remember. Frank says, in and out of love sounded good on our way in. They played in and out of love twice, too, Frank. <laughs> in and out of love. Bon Jovi. Billy Bob's at 239-1070. Billy Bob, welcome to the show. Hey, man, I love your show. Thank I'm, you, uh, Billy Bob. I'm here in Frankton, Indiana. I meet you at Hoosier Park every once in a while. Yes, I'm indeed. i of uh, Litzy and Fetty. Uh, Litz, those, they're just good folks up there. <laughs> really good folks. Hey, uh, I've been mowing your grass all day today, but I've been in and out listening to you. Doesn't anybody have a regular antenna or rabbit ears anymore? We, you, you know what? 59. Well, you live pretty far out. It's weird where I live. It is a struggle with an antenna. Um, my daughter has a Roku stick, and it works with an antenna off of it and 
and that's how I I watched a a lot of the Buffalo game. So yeah, yeah I do not, I do yeah. have it. I do have a yep. little bit of that, it. That, so. That's how we watched it Saturday night, and I do have Direct TV stream, and it it was not on there. Yeah, I, I think it's Direct TV, Direct TV stream, and UVerse that gets yep. blacked out. So yeah, uh, too much might be lost. They'll be ready by opening. Somebody is going to be. Hey, honest Billy Bob, if they're not, it's going to be somebody's ass around here. Let me tell you that. Okay, we'll get up here to Frankton <laughs> Country sometime. The Frankton Eagles and root us all. You got it, buddy, Billy Bob. Thank you very much. The pride of Frankton. Hey, Billy Bob needs to get himself a cabin for a JMV takeover weekend. It is our Labor Day weekend bender. That's a week from Saturday. Actually, a week from Friday, considering it's going to be all weekend long. Mystic Waters, Pendleton, I-69 exit. Have you rented your cabin for the weekend yet? If not, you can join us. But it is going to be the largest Labor Day party in and around the area, I promise. And it's going to be nonstop. And I'll be there. JMV, I know it's a pain, but I hop pretty easily between the Colts and the Reds game Saturday with a simple push of an input button. Digital antenna works great. Fox and CBS free. Get you a digital antenna. I've done that, but it's just weird. It just doesn't come in very well where I live. I don't know why. I probably have it plugged into the wrong crap. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um... Uh, Nate, can I say this for tomorrow? Can you give me a quick synopsis of what classic rock is considered? The afternoon show seemed to be confused. Um, classic rock is getting much, as we say, younger, but classic rock is like Steve Miller Band is at the head of the class of classic rock. I'll give you a tutorial, Nate, coming up tomorrow, buddy. Promise you that. James, thank you. Ryan Walters, Purdue head coach. Stephen Holder. Nate Atkins, Podcast 107.5thefan.com. You guys were absolutely spectacular today. Thank you very much. Thank you for always being a part of this show on the JMB Takeover. Back here in this here seat tomorrow at 3. Do not miss a minute. Have a great night.